Well, welcome to another episode of the Good Old Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Pate, best friend and co-host, Adrian Hernan over here. What's up, y'all? And uh, we're going to try a little bit of a different format today, see how it goes. Still the same old subject, sports. And uh, <laughs> you can never go wrong with that one. No, we can't. Because, uh, you know, obviously it's something that we love. It's something that uh, is very popular in today's culture, always have been, I believe always will be. So today I want to kick off the show with uh, NBA, some NBA news. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Los Angeles Lakers are now uh, on a three and no streak um, without I, I LeBron like how, James. Wait, let's time out. What? I like how you want to put the NBA first in the lineup all of a sudden because now the Lakers are winning. Well, <laughs> well, okay, so because it's but... yeah, because <laughs> it's an interesting story because. It's without LeBron James. Now, I'm not a big, great fan of LeBron James. I do respect him, uh, I guess, as a person, as a man. I'm not his fan for as uh, player-wise go. But, you know, I, I just can't help but to notice that, you know, with him being out these last three games, uh, Anthony Davis is playing exceptionally well, uh, averaging 30 points. uh these last three games, he had 30 last night in their win, uh, 123 to 92 win over the uh, San Antonio Spurs, uh, and then 37 for the past two nights prior. And so you have to look at that because you have to remember when he first came in, uh, was brought in uh, onto the Lakers team in 20, uh, 2019. Uh, you have to remember LeBron James saying that, you know, this is your team. You know, I want you to run it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you're starting to see that Anthony Davis come out uh, more. He's more dominant. He's playing more physical. Uh, he's playing great in the paint. Um, he's starting to be that player that we've talked about and said that he should be for these last two years. Um, and so it's, it's refreshing to see him play in that style and then to see Westbrook uh, kind of come out of his shell now and embracing his role as the point guard that the Lakers needed him to be. I believe that Dar- Darvin Ham has somehow, I don't know, talked him into, look, like, listen, like this is your role. This is what I need you to, this is who I need you to be for this team. Because it is, it, we don't no longer, in these last three games, even games prior, some games prior, um, we don't see that Westbrook to just making just outlandish shots and passes and, horrible uh, handling skills. Rather, we're seeing the more dominant, just kind of drive to the paint. If it's out there on the arc, I'll take it. But this is the Westbrook that the Lakers need. Uh, And and right now, the Lakers are are firing on all cylinders. Uh, And obviously, if they can keep it up, then they are serious uh, contenders uh, in the playoffs. If they can. That's the big big question. That's the big thing. So here's my deal with the Lakers. A couple things. Number one, they're doing all this without LeBron James. Yes. At what point as an organization do the Lakers look around and go, hmm. Do we really need LeBron James? What is he here for? We're just paying him. Is it not a detriment? You know, at some point, and I, I say this about all of these guys at some point, Somebody's got to man up and tell them, you're not who you think you are. You're not as indispensable as you think you are. Yeah. Because you you think about what LeBron has done to this franchise. He comes in right off the bat. He says, trade away every young guy you got. 
all your draft capital, I want it gone, because I could care less about playing with young players. You'll spend all this money on these people. Then when things don't turn out, okay, let's fire him, let's trade this guy, let's do this, let's do... And it's a constant thing with LeBron James. It's constant turmoil. Wherever LeBron goes, there's a little bit of controversy. There's turmoil. There's there's this sense that if it's not LeBron's way, he's not going to play. Yeah. Uh, he's just not going to do it. And so you, you, you've got that. And then, not only that, but on the court. Let's just talk about on the court. You no longer have that LeBron James that can single-handedly take over a basketball game. He's right. not that guy. Uh, you're starting to see more and more, you know, nagging injuries kind of pop up with him. And then you look at the way that, that that Lakers team is configured on the court right now. Yeah. You've got Anthony Davis doing what he needs to do. You've got Russell Westbrook doing what he needs to do. Uh, you've got those support players doing their part. Yeah. None of that happens with LeBron on the court. I, and, and it's... It, whether it's LeBron or these other players saying, hey, that's still LeBron James... Either way, the problem is LeBron's there. Yeah. Uh, and and at what point do the Lakers not look around? Now I don't know who would take that contract. You know, I don't I don't know who's going to take yeah. him on. Who's going to take on well, the whole? So you got to draft Bronny. That's you know? the thing is that and me and my brother was talking about this a, a couple of days ago. Is that LeBron James is he's no longer just like you said. He's not seen as that uh, you know takeover game type of player. He still can put up points, yes, but as you obviously, as we're obviously still starting to see, is that his age is starting to, starting to show, um, and uh, and re- in real reality, you know, him wanting to play with his son. I mean, let's be honest. LeBron James is going to be well into his forties, waiting to play for his son. You, it's not realistic. You already have the neck. You already have the reoccurring injuries happening. That's going to sit mm-hmm. you out. When God knows when or for however long, and you're saying you want to play with your son, well, that's great. But my thing is, at this point, just retire, because right now you're taking up. It, it, it seems as if as if he's taking up space on a roster that has so much promise, mm-hmm. because you have uh, you have all these young guys. You have that they've also brought. You have uh, 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 Troy Brown. You have Thomas Bryant. Um, Gabriel, uh, uh, Gabriel is number 35. I can't think of his last name, but you have him. William Gabriel, that's his name. You have him. Uh, Anthony Davis. Um, they call him Skywalker. But you have these guys, and then you have Westbrook. So you have, you have them, and then you have a young Austin Reeves coming off the bench who's playing great. And so I, I feel like LeBron, you know, being out, even though it's an injury, you're starting to see these players shine and be who they can be, you know, without him on the court. I just feel like him on the court is no longer just him. It's no longer the same LeBron where, you know, when he's on the court, there's a court presence about him. It's no longer like that with the Lakers, with, you know, with mm-hmm. him and the Lakers. You know, it's just LeBron, you know. Um, so I feel like, you know, you, you, you figure out what you need to do with LeBron. You you allow Anthony Davis to be who Anthony Davis is, but you also use your key, your key players and and the big guys that you now have who are doing great and and uh, Thomas Bryant and William Gabriel, those guys are coming off the bench and they're playing dom they're they're dominating. 
you take that and you kind of figure out where your offense is. Right now, um, it's not the fast-paced offense that we knew back in 2020. We know where right. it was the late show. You know, it, it's not that anymore, but it's, it looks like a more well-put-together kind of um, regulated pace kind of offense. Mm-hmm. But everybody know their part. You know, and I think that's what's helping Westbrook is it's not fast. It's a, not a fast-break offense. Right. He's having time to break down and see the court uh, before just making outlandish passes. Passes, and I think he would. It kind of felt like that with Frank Vogel there, and then how that team moved. Then is that he had to be that fast break, make these fancy passes, and do it. And that wasn't working out. But you're starting to see the Westbrook. You know, he's slowing down. He's taking his time. He's taking his time on his shots and his passes. And he's being able to see the court the right way. Well, and then uh, on the other side of that, because you mentioned Frank Vogel. That was my, my second side to this. Darvin Ham was a hire that I questioned. You know, why are you doing this? What mm-hmm. What is this about? Why not go after a more established guy? Yeah. You know, somebody who's going to come in there, lay down the wall. You know, and then it was about, you know... LeBron got upset because he didn't like that that Frank Vogel was a more of a defensive minded head coach, and then I'm like I'm looking at Darvin Ham going, well you you're the same. doing the same thing yeah. here, but there's something about him that he's kind of come in and he's established, hey we're going to run just a structured offense, mm-hmm. let's slow this thing down, let let's make the passes we need to make to get the shots that we want, right? Let let's let's calm down here, and he has slowly but surely, uh. Proven that hey, I am capable of bringing a presence yes. uh, to the Lakers. Now, whether LeBron continues to respond to that that's is anybody's up, yeah, guess. That's up to him, really. And, but they, it, it's reached a point in LA where if you are Rob Palinka in that front office, you've got to look. You've got your head coach mm-hmm. doing a darn good job. You've got. Uh, Anthony Davis doing his job. You've got the young guys. You've got Westbrook stepping up, playing his role. Why would you want to to mess that up by forcing LeBron on everybody? Else? Back yeah, back into that rotation. But see, that's the thing is where where Frank Vogel struggled was his rotations were off. Yes, because at some point you had to have LeBron James in there. There was never a point other maybe than in the fourth quarter where LeBron wasn't in there at some point. Um, but you, you, with Frank Vogel, he his rotations could not get worked out, and and two for, that's for one, but two he didn't have the right set of players to run what he wanted to run. Um, he he had LeBron's roster with his uh, idea, philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but with Darvin Ham is you know just like you said he's he's done so well, and and it's, so, it's still early in the season. Uh, so you can't pin in on anything on him, but he's still working. But it's just like you know what happens with LeBron and whether or not he responds to it. Is I say is that it depends solely on LeBron James uh, once he comes back. But I, the way that this team, this current Lakers team, with who you have starting and who you have coming off the bench, I cannot picture LeBron James being fit back into that rotation because then you're going to stop somebody else's. Um, their growth, or their, you know, they're on a roll. Yeah, you you can put that to a halt. Well, I gotta sit you now because now we have to fit LeBron James back into rotation. 
what it's starting to look like now in LA is that you're keeping LeBron there simply because you might want to fill seats or keep your name in the news. Yeah, if his name was not LeBron James, if he was any other player on the planet, he's gone. Yeah. It's the fact that he's LeBron James. Right. And the other side, he's not like Kobe. He's not like Michael. He's not like Shaquille O'Neal. He's not even like Charles Barkley in that they knew when to step away. Right. They knew when to say enough is enough. Well, because they LeBron, got enough. Right. But LeBron uh, has this need to stay there, to still be in the spotlight, to still be relevant. Yeah. Uh, much like Tom Brady, where he just can't seem to picture himself, even though he's the first billionaire athlete in history, he yeah. can't seem to picture a life outside of basketball. Which, whatever, you know, we can't judge a person's life and, and their thought processes. But but where it's becoming an issue is the on-the-court side. Yeah. The, the, the on-the-court um, momentum, the on-the-court rotations, the on-the-court philosophies are not fit for LeBron James. They're fit for the roster. They're fit for what uh, Coach Ham wants to do and all of those things. So at some point... If you're the Lakers, you're exactly right. You you've got to move on. Yeah. You you've got to say enough's enough. We're gonna sell tickets not because of the big names, but because we're winning ball games. Exactly. And you look at the rest of the West, you have a chance now to really step it's up and really dominate. Nice. Dominate because right now, as 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 it looks for, you know, we were talking about the Warriors shortly before the show. Uh you look at the, the Golden State Warriors, I say that that season last year was a fluke. And it's weird, these championship teams, they seem like they've been all flukes. Uh, Golden State, they were good, but they weren't that good. Um, it was mostly Steph Curry carrying yeah. that team. And now you have Jordan Poole, you know, who started out on fire. Uh, and, and, and now it's like it's kind of died out. And, yeah. you know, Steph is obviously Steph, but... Clay Thompson's not who he once was. Yes, Draymond's Draymond is a, you, You've got a closing contention, exactly. contention window. And, and if you're look okay, and while we're on the, the subject of the Warriors, at what point did they hit the reset button? Because they, you've got Draymond on the way out, probably. Yeah. This is probably his last year in Golden State. Uh Clay Thompson possibly looking at retirement there. Then you've got Steph Curry. At what point do you, and it's hard. To, to be a franchise, but you've got to look at, okay, at what point do you start making decisions, we're going to move these guys while we can still get something for them, while they're yeah. still worth something yep. to somebody. Uh, and, and you look at some of the teams that are still in contention, mm-hmm. you know, as this thing goes along, that's a little early right now to hit the reset button. Yes. NBA season's a long season. But you start pushing towards Christmas Day, you start pushing into January. Now it's time that's to it. start taking yeah, stock. That's, that's crunch time. Um, and, and so the question that that I think will be interesting to watch how it's answered with Golden State is: At what point do they look around? Is Steve Kerr willing to hit the reset button, or does he look around and go, "Hey, listen, I had a great run. I've got my rings. I must go do something else, or go coach somewhere else." Maybe he looks at you know some of these other jobs that. May or may not come open, and, and he says, "Hey, there's an opening there." Um, if you're the Celtics, I know that you know right now you're kind of set at coach, but do you stay with him if if say a Steve Kerr yeah. comes out on the market? So I mean, there's some some moving parts that can make this very interesting. Uh, do you 
move maybe a Steph Curry to Dallas, you know, to team him up with Luka Doncic. Uh, because that, that's a team that their window could close quickly if they don't figure something out. Exactly. You know, there's just some interesting scenarios here that could play out depending on whether or not the Warriors say, you know, we had a great run, we were dominant for a long time, mm-hmm. but that, well, just it, like the Spurs, you right. know, much like Well, them. and you, you talk about, you know, them resetting. I think the Warriors reset before they actually reset, you know. But yeah. What I mean by that is that you kept, you, you kept Clay, you kept Steph, you kept uh, Draymond. Mm-hmm. And you got all and drafted all these young players, and then you just put them into a system. Yeah. Uh, and, and Clay was hurt at this time, and but Dray and and Steph was out at this time for for a period, and then uh, but Draymond was still there. I think what they should have done is they, but they were so loyal to Clay Thompson that they didn't let him go. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was questioning whether or not he wanted to stay in and. And Golden State, they should have gave him an ultimatum and, and said, listen, you can heal up and we'll keep you, but if you desire to go somewhere else, we'll let you go. We'll, you know, Because yeah. there were talks before that he was on his way to L.A., to the Lakers, mm-hmm. um, or the Clippers, I think, but for sure the Lakers. The, yeah, the Lakers was, was the real destination. Yeah, and so I say you've done that then, and then you have room for a Jordan Poole. Yeah. And then, or if, if Steph... Uh, you know, I don't think I don't see Steph going anywhere soon, because Steph has come, become like Kobe to them. You know, that's your franchise player. You know, that's your guy. But Draymond, on the other hand, he's expendable. Now, even though I, I say that Draymond is literally the centerpiece of that Golden State team, simply because of his defensive skills, um, that could be a little push and go because. If he's going to continue to cause trouble within the facility or the organization, you don't want that on your team. You don't want that stain uh, sticking around. Well, and he it... dropped one of your young guys. Yeah. Like, just for basically no reason at all. He turns around and drops him. That, it goes back to what I said about LeBron. At some point, these organizations have got to decide, are we going to hold on to these aging veterans and these big contracts or are we going to let the young guys start to develop? Yeah. And, and you hate to do it because you've seen what's happened to the Spurs. They went from perennial contender to, you know, on the outskirts here. Yeah. Because of those decisions. But that is the only way that you're ever going to set yourself up to get back into those right, because contention then you see, windows. Then you'll be able to see what you have and what you need and what you can work with. But for, for that, it, it's a little bit, I won't say it's too late because, you know, Draymond is a veteran, you know, he's he's aging. I say he got a good maybe three years, three four years left in him, if that. Um, you have to start to look at what teams could possibly use him, because nobody, as far as I see, really needs a guy like him of his caliber, other than the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I, I mean, you you can do what you can, but with Golden State. Get you, you. You said something. These the young guys. You have to give the young guys a chance. This is what the NBA is coming to. You know, with, with LeBron James, uh, uh, even with Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, and these guys, James Harden. Yeah, it's 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 coming to that point where 
you have all these new guys, these talented new guys that are coming in and they're starting to take over, but it's getting overshadowed by these guys. You know, by, by the Steph Curry, by James Harden, uh, Kyrie, KD. Now, they're good players, don't get me wrong. But you have to, for team's sake, you have to see what potential you have lying. Because this is just like I said, this is just like I said the other day, is that and the, the Los Angeles, Angeles Lakers will do this. They will get players who are really good, and you'll get to see uh, a flash of them in a summer league. You know, like, man, that player's really good. You know, I hope he makes the roster, the main roster. Yeah. Uh, but no, he gets moved back down to the G League. He's on the G League for two, three years. But by the time they move him up, so much wear and tear is on his body that, you know, it's nearly useless to even play him anymore. But I would like to see some of those players who are in the G League actually get a shot of being on the main team. But it's just that you're holding these guys in contract in contracts that who other teams don't either want or you can't place them anywhere or you just don't want to let them go because that's your guy. It's a loyalty thing. Mm-hmm. But I want to see I want to see Scottie Pippen Jr. get a little bit more playing time with the Lakers. Uh, I, he has the potential. You, that's a guy, that, a player that you don't want to let slip through your fingers. Right. You know, I want to see him and then uh, some other guys that were on that team. So, all in all, I think if you free up LeBron James if the War- uh, and, and the Warriors do something with either Draymond or Clay, I, uh, more so Clay than Draymond. But, but okay, for those two teams, there's a path forward. You could, you could make some moves, make some decisions, albeit they may be tough decisions, yeah. but you can do something. It's going to be gutsy calls. Now, the franchise that is in terrible trouble is Brooklyn. They, there's no way forward for them. No. You've still got the Kyrie Irving mess. You've still got Kevin Durant. You've still got Ben Simmons, of all people, on Brooklyn is they shot. They're shooting themselves. They shot themselves in the foot, and they're continually to shoot themselves in the foot because the whole Kyrie deal... It's it's unnecessary. I mean, let it go. I mean, you're hurting yourself as a an organization. Uh, you you're starting to see that Kevin Durant needs Kyrie, Ben Simmons needs him as well. I, and but with Ben Simmons, I mean, how how good is Ben Simmons? We don't know. I don't think that we. I think that's a heist. That that is that is. I, I don't know because like you were started. Will I? I don't know if we'll ever get to know how good Ben Simmons the, really the, is. The problem with Ben Simmons is there was so much hype coming out of LSU. Yeah. I mean, he was like going to be the the career-changing, alter, league-altering talent. He was a big guy. He was, I mean, he was going to manhandle everybody. He was going to bring back that style of basketball. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we found out he can't shoot. <laughs> the man can't do it. He, you know, he freezes up at the free throw line. He misses the easy twos. He just, he, he can't handle the NBA. And that is where I call, at any, in any sport, baseball, basketball, football, whatever, I caution people who, oh, that's, that's the guy. Yeah. And it's not because necessarily they don't have the talent. It's not because they don't have the tools. It's not because they don't have the ceiling. But you don't really know anything about that guy's mentality. Right. You don't know anything about whether he can face adversity because when you move up uh, in talent, you're eventually going to play somebody that's 
as good or better than you are. They're going to punch you in the mouth. How are you going to respond? And the problem with Ben Simmons was he saw that and he didn't respond well. He, he started backing down. He started having trouble with his free throws. The fans got on him. The media got on him. The coaching staff got on him. And so then all of a sudden, it, well, I don't want to play basketball. Yeah. And then there was, even in the trade, nobody knew whether Ben Simmons wanted to play basketball. Right. I mean, I because mean, he had sat out for two years. Does I mean, the man want to play? That That's the question that nobody is asking. Does he actually want to play basketball? Does he want to be on the court? Or is it just a matter of, I need to make money? Yeah. I say this about Ben Simmons is you talk about mentality. You don't see no passion in his eyes about the sports. Mm-hmm. When he's on the court, you don't see any kind of passion or drive that, you know, anything moving him forward in the sport. And so that's a, that's a question that they maybe Brooklyn, the organization needs to add, like, do you want to play? Yeah. You know, because... At this point, it's not looking good. Your career's not looking good moving forward because nobody knows what you're really capable of. But it's true what you say is when you go, when you're good, you may be good at a high school level or go go on to be good at a college level. But Mm -hmm. when you reach the professionals, it's a certain type of mentality that comes along with it because, and this is what I didn't realize uh, until my uncle told me this. Mm -hmm. He said that, when you're playing, and he used football, for instance. He said, but when you're playing, you're playing in Little League to uh, Pop Warner and to high school and, and college. When you're playing then, you're not playing for money. Right. You're not playing. It's not a career. But when you, as soon as you get into professionals, now that's your career. You have to think business-minded then. You have to think about your career, your future, and everything you do lands on and, and stands upon what your career will look like moving forward in the professionals. And if you can't overcome that mentally or just the mentally, the mental, uh, I won't say mental abuse, but just the mental, you know, in your head, just like there's somebody, yeah, yeah, mental toll that, hey, this guy's bigger, he's better, he's stronger, faster, better shooter. If if you can't overcome that mentally in the professionals, that may not be where you need to be. Now, now granted, he did have a, a good night last night against the Grizzlies. He had eight rebounds, five assists, 22 points. Yeah. But but my question is, can he do something like that consistently? Yeah. Uh, Kyrie, you know, comes up back, has his 14-point game. So you... But there's still not. That's the Grizzlies. It's not like you you came back against a you know a, a perennial powerhouse. And, and it's a it's the the Grizzlies without a, a Ja Morant. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like you've got just a, a load of talent. But can this group continue that moving forward? I, I have my questions. I don't see where that's going to to get better long term. Uh, that's just my you know having watched them play. <laughs> Uh, watching those situations as they kind of play out. Yeah. And and nobody has asked the question. Because, you know, so uh, uh, Durant says, well, I didn't realize Steve Nash was, was going to get fired. You know, I found out, like everybody else on ESPN and that text, bull, baloney, you, you knew. Okay, you're, you're the highest paid player on the team. You, you said all summer long, you know, I'm not coming back if Steve Nash is going to be the coach, even though that's the coach you asked them to hire, but whatever. 
So nobody's asked the question, what is the real plan? What does Kevin Durant really want? Does he want Kyrie Irving? Does he want Ben Simmons? Does he, you know, who does he want around him playing? Who does he want? Who's his ideal head coach? You know, what what does he really want? And it's kind of, again, it's turning into the same situation the Lakers have with LeBron. Is you've got to look at, at what point are these guys too much of a cancer? You know, at what point are they just eating away at the organization as a whole, not just this season, but over the next two, three, four, five seasons? You know, how is this going to affect our franchise and the path that we can take to getting back into contention or staying in contention, whatever the case may be? And I'll say this about that is, look, KD, and I'll add a few more in there. KD, the Golden State, not the Golden State, the uh, Oklahoma City 3, KD, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. With James Harden and KD, it almost seems as if nobody can play with them. When you look at those guys, KD especially, he's standoffish. You never Mm -hmm. see him out with anybody from his team. You never see him. He's always by himself. Yeah. and, and it shows on the court. He he seems like he's not a team player. You know, and so you ask the question, who does he want around him? I don't know if there's anybody else that can be around him. What kind of players would want to be around him? He just doesn't seem like the guy that's gonna that, that can take a team and be a leader and, and, and say, you know, hey, listen, if you guys can help contribute, you know, we can feed off each other and we can get there. He doesn't seem like that guy. Uh, James Harden doesn't seem like that guy. He's not that guy. Westbrook wasn't that guy until and I, until he got to the Lakers. Because now he realized, hey, I'm not the leading guy. Mm-hmm. And, and it seemed like he's, he's starting to take that role. It's like, hey, I don't have to be that leading guy. I can still play my role and be just as good as I was in Oklahoma City and uh, with the Wizards or with, the, with Houston. I can be just as good and still not be the leading guy. But with James and uh, James Harden and uh, Kevin Durant, I, I worry. It's like, who can really play with those guys? You don't you don't see anybody knocking down doors just to be able to play with them. Mm-hmm. You know? I, <laughs> rather, it's them wanting to play with somebody else, or, or so they say they want to. Either wanting to go there or bring them yeah. in. And the thing with the thing that will haunt Kevin Durant's legacy, he, he statistically he's one of the better players of all time. Yeah, not the best, but one of the better. Yeah, You're probably top fifteen, top ten type guys, statistically. But what will haunt him forever, as far as his legacy is concerned, is he is incapable of building a team. Yes. He you know, he stole the kind of stole the championship, if you will, when he went to, to Golden State. He picked one off with them. That was an easy one. Hey, low hanging fruit. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna get my championship and then see what I wanna do. And he thought, Okay, here's a chance in Brooklyn to make money. I'm gonna bring in Kyrie, gonna bring in Harden, you know, see if we can't get some of the old magic back. Okay, I, I wanna bring in, you know, Steve Nash, learn the position a little bit more from him. Let let's bring him in. See what we can do, um, and he thought, okay, here's here's my chance now to orchestrate my team and establish myself. And all he's done is proven that he's incapable of it. Yeah, you know, it, it completely for what he was trying to do. 
it has completely backfired for him. And as a result, he has taken down an entire organization with him. And, and he's taken down Steve Nash's coaching career. Yeah. Well, I just want to see, hopefully in the future, who can compliment Kevin Durant. He had it when he was with Golden State, of course. Yeah. Golden State had the players. But is there anybody out there that can compliment his play style? You know, Kobe had Shaq. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan had Pippen and, and, and uh, Rodman. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron had Kyrie for a spell or Dwayne Wade. And Chris Bosh. And Chris Bosh. Yeah, and so even Chris Paul has Devin Booker. Yeah. And so you, you have to ask that question, you know, that's what makes these guys one of some of the greats, Kobe and, Le- and LeBron and even Magic. Magic and Kareem, yeah. you know. And you know, so you you they had somebody that complimented their playing style. Who compliments James Harden's playing style? Who compliments uh, Kevin Durant's playing style? And as of right now, who's going to compliment Russell Westbrook's playing style? Yeah, those three guys. I, I, it's just a weird thing with them throughout their careers so far. Is that couldn't stay together and can't exist without each other? Exactly, I mean, that's the problem. And that's the thing. They complement each other so well that they couldn't stay together. Yeah, those were the guys. And and really, I'll be honest, I think that answers your question. Who are the guys who can complement those? It's those three. They complement each other. But the problem was that you had a great contending team there in Oklahoma City with Mm -hmm. with those guys, and they looked around and said, we all want to go do our own thing. We want to make a name for ourselves. Yeah. And it just didn't work. And and egos egos have gotten away. It seems like egos are still in the way. Just go back. I mean, I don't think. I mean, Westbrook. If things work out with him in L.A., but if not, there you go. I won't say problem solved, but try it again. You're older now. You were young then. You're older now. You've got some experience. Try it again and see what happens. Yeah, you've learned that. Hey, we can't do this without each other. Yeah. So let's put your egos aside. Yeah. But um. Before we get off of this, the, the NBA, I want to pay homage uh, and tribute to uh, Ben Ben Benji Wilson. Oh, yeah. Uh, today marks, I believe, 35, 36 years since his passing. If any, if any of you know the story of uh, Ben Wilson, a 17-year-old kid out of uh, Chicago, Illinois, back in 1980, 1986 or 87, that was shot and killed. Um Played with Simeon High School there in Chicago, and was became the number one uh, high school basketball player in the nation. Uh, there hasn't been anybody else like him since then. So I want to pay homage to him uh, and tribute to him uh, on this day. Uh, he passed away um, November twenty first, nineteen eighty six, I believe. So yeah, uh, in respects to his, you know, his mother and his father. Who are doing great work and advocating for uh uh no no that's that's Lynn Bias but no Ben um but the guys and his brothers you know coming up coming together they said that the, his mom's die, their mom's dying wish was you know for them to forgive the guy who killed him and so you know them coming together and being able to do that and uh, in honor of their mom and in honor of their brother uh but yeah. If you guys don't know uh, about Benji Wilson, man, look his story up. Look him up. Uh, as well as Lynn Bias as well. They were two great uh, athletes. Lynn Bias, matter of fact, played against Michael Jordan and mm-hmm. was uh, 
probably better than Michael Jordan. Uh, he was drafted second, uh, first round, second pick to the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And uh, died two days later of a drug overdose. And so, yeah, look those guys up, man. And uh, just pay tribute to them uh, because, you know, it's, it's then, you know, thing you may, now you may think it'd be hard to be a young athlete in the public eye, but it was just the same then, you know, just as hard. So, yeah, man, I just wanted to pay homage to those two guys. That was an interesting story because I actually did run across that myself in, mm-hmm. in some reading, and I had not really heard of him or that whole situation. But, yeah. Uh, you know, certainly some talents that could have changed Bas- basketball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. Well, NFL. Yeah. Well, Football. Okay. Yeah. Thursday night. <laughs> Green Bay gets pummeled again. I thought they had a chance. That game's in Green Bay. Yeah. You're coming off a win against the Cowboys. Everything but, seemed to be lining up, and then the Titans just said, eh, we're going to take it to you. Yeah. But that win against the Cowboys was more on the Cowboys' fault rather than the Green Bay. Yeah, it was. More, but I, from a momentum perspective, whether you thought they, they handed got you that going? the game or not, you looked at that and said, okay, we've got a chance. Because coming into that game, you think, okay, the Cowboys are going to shut us down. They're going to run the ball down our throats. We're probably going to get beat again. Hey, we pulled one out. Now let's go do it again. And in a game where Derrick Henry didn't even have 100 yards rushing, the Titans come into your home and beat you. Uh, and Ryan Tannehill proceeds to throw for 300 yards. <laughs> I mean, you know. uh, that's just, I mean, Green Bay ain't got it together. Green Bay's not going to be a contender. Just, They're yeah, done. No, just, to, just to put it shortly, Green Bay's not going to get it together. Uh, I, I, I think Aaron Rodgers wants... Um, What's his name? McCarthy back. Mike you know, McCarthy. Mike yeah. McCarthy. He wants him back. Uh, realize, you know, hey, I was, I was wrong. It should have never went down the way it did. I think it's become such a power struggle between him and Lafleur about exactly. the philosophy and the way they want to run the team, the players they want to be, you know, to, to fill out the roster with. Uh, you know, he Rogers has his idea. LaFleur has his, and I think it's just such a struggle, you know, between those two. And then you sign that contract that kind of locks you in, and you look around, and there's nobody left. They decide to trade Devontae Adams. They decide to to make all of these different roster moves that kind of handcuff you if you're Aaron Rodgers. You know, offensively, you don't have much of a defense there. I mean, you just look around, and and again, just as we kind of talked about with some of these NBA teams, uh, and, and those veterans, but but kind of in a different spin. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you're looking around going, I've got to get out of here. Like yeah. I don't care what happens. Trade me, do something, but I can't continue to play I, I, under these conditions. I can see Aaron Rodgers going to Denver. I don't see Denver keeping uh, Wils- Russell Wilson. Well, okay, but here, so, so that was the next team that continues to struggle. The Broncos yeah. lose again. They have yet... To score more than 21 points, I believe. I think it's 21 points. Yeah. They've yet to score 24 points in a ball game yet. You've got Russell Wilson, but I don't know. So the the thing that ties Aaron Rodgers to Denver is Nathaniel Hackett because he was the offensive coordinator right. in Green Bay. I don't know that you're going to keep him 
Because he can't decide what he wants to do. He decided not to call the play Sunday. They still lose. And then they, you know, he gets asked about it. And he's like, well, I'm not going to commit to the way that we're going to run this team moving forward. He has oh, no wow. clue what he's doing. He needs to go back to being... He's a, he, Nathaniel Hackett is a prime example of a guy who is a great offensive mind, a, a great coordinator, but because he's got so many other things that he's got to juggle as the head coach... He's not able to just pour all of his time on the one side of the yeah. football, and it, it's making him uh, make some poor decisions on the play calling side. Now, on the flip side of that, with Russell Westbrook, he's got to go. I yeah. have no idea where he's going to go. I don't See, know what he's going to do, but he's got to go. Remember that it was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers instead of West, yes. uh, Wilson. Because with Aaron Rodgers, it was supposed to either be between the Cowboys and the Bronco, Broncos. Yes. And the Broncos ended up being the top choice. The deal with this is, is you have Russell Wilson. This is why I said with him being in Dallas, it wouldn't have made a difference. It would have been the same thing. He wouldn't be able to do uh, as much as any, I think any much more than what he's doing in Denver right now. But the thing is with Aaron Rodgers is that Aaron is, he's one of those players that he's a veteran but he's, he's also a power player. And what yeah. I mean by that is a power player. He's like a Tom. He's, him and Tom Brady are in the same sense. They're power players. Everything revolves around them. And nowadays, it seems like teams aren't committing to these power quarterbacks. Yeah. The Green, Green Bay shot Aaron Rodgers in the foot and took both of his legs. <laughs> and yeah. gave him a contract. A big contract. Yeah. And... Tampa Bay did the same thing with Tom Brady. They didn't give him anything to work with or anything to work with him. And you're starting to see these these teams, are they're not necessarily checking for any power quarterbacks. But what I see, um, if you get rid of, what's his name, uh, that's over in Denver right now. If he goes, Russ got to go with him. And you bring yeah. in Aaron Rodgers and whichever coach that, that fits Aaron Rodgers you bring them in and you figure something out then. Because then you have a solid quarterback. But what coach goes to Denver? Okay, let's say that you make that move. What what coach goes? Or if you're the Cowboys, why not make a phone call? He clearly has respect for Mike McCarthy. It doesn't seem that you're going to move on from Mike McCarthy at this point. Yeah. Although Sean Payton is telling people within his inner circle that that job still intrigues him should it become yeah. a possibility. But if you're now, now, and before we dive into that rabbit hole, let me go back to your Russell Wilson thing. You talk about these power quarterbacks. Russell Wilson decided, I want to be the power guy. I'm going to force my hand with it's it's me or Pete. Mm-hmm. Make your decision. They made their decision, and that looks to be a brilliant decision. I mean, at this point, Seattle's a playoff team. And Seattle's going to just extend Geno Smith on this contract that they don't have to pay much for, yeah. and you just move on. Like, you just keep running the football, playing pretty good defense, and move on with your life. And then you've got Russell uh, Wilson here, let's ride, who says, you know, hey, I want to be the guy. I want to be the one to make the moves. I want to make the, you know, be a part of the decision making process. I want, let me cook. You know, I want, and he can't. So he's kind of in no man's land right now because yeah. if you're any other team in the NFL, he's no longer the hot commodity. It's almost as if we've exposed Russell Wilson for who he really is. Now you have 
other teammates coming out saying, listen, he wasn't a great teammate. He's the one that, you know, wanted to throw the ball late in the game of the Super Bowl. He didn't want to run it, you know, because he wanted to make the, the game-winning pass. You know, all of these things. And so the more that that comes out about him, the more that we see the on the field, you know, that, that he's not as productive as you would have expected him to be. Yeah. The more that that happens, the, the less likely it is that you're going to get a, a, a team to say, okay, we're going to go trade for him. We're going to go trade up. We're going to, you know, get rid of, you know, some of our draft capital. We're going to drop a receipt, whatever. They're not going to be willing to do that. He doesn't command that kind of a, a, a payback anymore. I mean, yeah. it, it's just amazing how within not even a full season, Russell Wilson has completely decimated his worth. Completely. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of asked this question, and I almost asked it lightly. Is Could it be because the, the head coach doesn't know what he wants to do offensively? He brought him in. He said he was going to let, you know, let him throw the ball, do, let Russ cook, whatever. But when he got there, that wasn't the case. What changed in between then and now? Well, I think part of it is when he's let Russ cook, he, Russ didn't have the arm strength. He, Russ is not putting the ball in open space like he once did. Yeah, he he's not. the The problem is that to let Russ cook, if you were going to do that, it should have happened earlier in his career. Yeah. Now you're seeing that after years and years of doing things a certain way. Now, granted, there were times in Seattle where, hey, it's the fourth quarter, we're down by two touchdowns. Go go get it back for us, and he could do that. Right. But the more and more that these quarterbacks, I don't care how talented they are, how great of an arm they may have, whatever, they become accustomed to a certain style of football. Mm-hmm. And for years and years, Russell Wilson's style of football has been hand the ball off, dink and dunk, we're going to play good defense, we're going to stay in the ball game, go win it maybe at the end or whatever. Now all of a sudden you go, okay, we're going to let you cook. Four quarters, let you cook. He doesn't know how to do it. He he's not done that his entire career. He his arm has gotten to a point where it's not built for that. He's not you know putting the ball where the receivers are going to be. He you know you you watch him. He's swinging more behind them. He's not able to to stretch the field. Uh, he he's not as mobile as he once was as far as being able to just read the crease in the pocket and maybe you know go get that first down. Uh, he's not able to run the quarterback keeps the, that he once did, the, the, the different option plays uh, that were kind of designed for him. He's not able to do some of those things. And so it, I think it's a mixture of you've got a head coach who's in over his head and you've got a quarterback who waited too long to ask for a trade. Like if he wanted to, to really cook in the kitchen, the, the problem yeah, do this years ago. The problem is Westbrook, I mean Westbrook, Wilson – Waited until everybody else was gone to say he wanted yeah. to trade it. He waited till that whole. He waited till till Marshawn was gone, Richard, uh, Bennett, um, uh, what's his name, the safety that was there, um, Tom uh, Thomas, mm-hmm. Earl Thomas. You waited till all these guys from that Super Bowl team, that Super Bowl era, those those two years or whatever. 
You wait till everybody was gone and you stayed some extra years after. Now I want to be traded. You you done aged since then, and you, you done been hit sometimes. And well, it goes back to what I said about these quarterbacks. They 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 buy into the syndrome. So they saw that Tom Brady went to Tampa, put it all together, and won a Super Bowl. Then Aaron Rodgers decided, hey, I'm going to start raising my voice. And then Russell Wilson's looking around, going, hey, that's my turn. Yeah. Then Lamar Jackson, no, it's my turn. Patrick Mahomes, no, it's my. And it's it's an effect with these guys. Yeah. Once they see somebody do it, they all think they can do it too. And it doesn't always work out. That Tampa Bay thing was lightning in a bottle. You had a great defense. Yeah. You had a great running game. You you had everything that needed to happen. You had the COVID year, so that was just a wonky season to begin with. Everything came together for Tom to get that Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. That was not a replicable model. You, you couldn't just do that. You can't just go to any team, anywhere, at any time, and then build around yourself and say, oh, now I'm going to be a Super Bowl contender. That's not no. how 99% of the organizations in the NFL work. And I think uh, Wilson is learning that the hard way. Mm-hmm. He's having to take his medicine and say, you know what, I'm not who I thought I was. Y'all, not that guy anymore. I don't have the ability to bring in the bigger name free agents. I don't have the ability to to demand you know trades to build around me. I'm not that guy. Yeah, I really am just a field general quarterback, and and he's learning that late. You know, he's learning that on the fly, game after game. As he's looking around, they can't get anything going on offense. He doesn't have a running game to lean on. He doesn't have a defense to hide behind. He has nothing. It's yeah. just him. He's and and out now there. right, and now he's getting exposed week after week after week, and there's nowhere to go. There's no more, you know, optimism of, oh, we've got it in the building. We know, you know, you, you gotta overcome adversity. You gotta climb No, that that's all gone. You're not climbing the hill. You're not, you know, punching adversity in the mouth. You're not gonna suddenly get this back. It's time to admit this was a mistake. I should have gone to a team that could run the football, had a good defense, would let me do what I've done for the past however many years. You know, I Cowboys. Exactly. The, the Dallas Cowboys was a perfect fit for for us, yeah. simply because it would have. But he wanted to cook, and that wasn't going to happen. That was the problem. He wanted to cook. Yeah. And Hackett looked at him and said, "Hey, maybe that's my guy. I can't get Rodgers, so I'm going to bring him in." Didn't work out. Now, if you're Nathan- if you're the Broncos, maybe you look at Nathaniel Hackett and say, "Hey, we made our mistake. Go be a, an offensive coordinator somewhere." Maybe you but, look at Russ and you say, "Hey, what can we get in return for him?" Yeah, I want to talk about this just for a spell, and and you've touched on this a couple of times. Uh, even is that you have these NFL organizations that are going to get these offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators and making them head coaches. And then realizing later, this is not for, this is not what's for me. I can't, because it's a lot more when you you just like running the defense or running an offense. Now you're running a whole team, you know, both offense and defense. And you can't handle that. You can't do that. So, I'm starting to believe there's no more, or there's a shortage rather, a, a severe shortage of head coaches anymore. True head coaches. Yeah, yeah. true head coaches. Uh, and, and you look at this. The teams, the top contenders, all of them have true head coaches. Let's see. The Bills. 
Okay. Uh, uh, the Chiefs. Okay. Uh, Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Eagles. Eagles don't. Now, the Eagles are the outlier. They got Nick Sirianni, who was the offensive coordinator. Okay. At... Yeah. Okay. But who else? The Giants. Yeah, uh, Brian Dabble. And, and he's not a previous head coach, but he's a guy who everybody knew. Like, you kind of yeah. looked at you knew he could run a team. Yeah. The Giants, who else? Uh, I won't say the Vikings. Uh, no, the the Vikings. Yeah, we'll talk no, about that in a yeah, little bit. I won't say the Vikings. But you look at those teams right there, and what's that, like four out of the five? Mm-hmm. That have real head coaches. That have been head coaches. Super Bowl head coaches. Yeah. And so, there's a shortage of actual head Everybody that has started, that are head coaches now, have been either defensive or offensive coordinators. And I believe that's why, uh, kind of to go into this, is why you have uh, Dan Quinn, or um, who didn't take the job in, in, uh, Denver. in Denver. You know, because he knew... Yeah, he was he was a head coach of Atlanta when they went to the Super Bowl. It was a great season, but didn't work. Yeah, out it didn't overall. work out. And then you have you know Kellen Moore who didn't take the who who went to interview for jobs. I think that was more so he should have waited a little bit while longer to get some more experience under his belt. But you have these guys who need to really just say, "Listen, I'm good at just doing this. I'm going to stick with this." And Dan Quinn has figured it out that I'm a defensive coach. Yeah, I'm. I, I put together and I run good defense, and that's what he's doing over in Dallas right now. Because I believe he's figured it out. I'm not a head coach. I don't want to be a head coach. I can stick to my guns and be one of the greatest defensive-minded coaches and coordinators in NFL history. But I got to stick with where I'm where I'm good at, where I'm mm-hmm. best at. But you have a, a lot of coaches now that are just, well, this head coaching job's open or coordinators. So, so now I'm going to apply. For yeah. That. Now, now that kind of ties into the next thing, and I'm going to circle back to, to the coaching thing here in just a second. But where to from here for these struggling teams? Because you look at the, the draft, and I've said this for the last two weeks now, and I'm sticking by it even more after this past weekend in, in college football. There's not a lot of franchise-changing players. There's a few, but not a bunch. And you're going to have to be right at the top end of, of the draft to get them. If you're if you're one of those middling teams, you you have backed yourself into a corner. If you're a Carolina, if you're you know a uh, uh, Cleveland, if You've backed yourself into a corner. I know, you know, Cleveland's argument, well, at some point we're going to get Deshaun Watson. Who knows if he can still play football? Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen him. You know, it's just this assumed thing with Cleveland that, oh, well, we've got Deshaun coming. Okay. <laughs> you, you still don't have a great run game. You still don't have a great defense. I mean, you're still missing pieces. It's not like we're just going to throw him in there and now all of a sudden we're Super Bowl contenders. That's not going to happen. You know, he doesn't magic, and that's if, again, if Deshaun Watson is still Deshaun Watson. We don't know that. We don't know that he's going to have the same mobility. We don't know that he's going to have the same arm strength. Heck, at this point, we don't know if his mentality is still there. You know, does he still want to play football? I mean, I know that he's gone through this great battle, but was that more about 
clearing his name, or was it because, hey, I still want to play football? I mean, there's all sorts of questions, because really, if you remember, barring what happened, he would still be in Houston, just not playing football. Exactly. It's just a mess, and and you start to look around the league, and you have so many of the the Rams. You know, where do they go from here? Uh, and, And you have so many of them. Well, I, that that have no real path to true contention. I, I'll say this because we all dogged them when it happened. Uh, the 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 Dallas Cowboys this year's draft. We dogged them because we was like, what in the world are they doing? They just got rid of all the, some key players, and they haven't done anything to fill those slots. Yeah. But when you look back on it, and you look at their draft picks and who they got. And you look at the progression now. Yeah. And now it's starting to add up. The Cowboys drafted off of necessity, not what was popular. And so the answer for these teams is, for any team really, even for the Cowboys, continue to draft what you need, yeah. not what everybody else thinks that you should have. Because if you go and draft what you think you should have, now Dallas, the year, year, year two years prior, they did that with getting C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted the best out there. C.D. Lamb, Lamb, Lamb landed in their laps, and so years after that, then you get you get Michael Parsons, mm-hmm. and then this year you get in first round you get Tyler Smith, who's doing an excellent job right now, along with some veterans. I'm telling, you, he's playing holding his own against veterans, uh, along with sharing the position with Jason Peters and uh, Tyron Smith, who yeah. are going to be Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers. And so, and then you go and get D. Williams, uh, Sam Williams, you know. And so you get players like that that can match what you need, what you need on your offense, what you need on your defense. And so the answer for these teams is draft what you need. There might not be any top-name players per se, but if you need a running back, get you a running back. He may not be... Top five. Yeah. But Dan Gummett, if he's top ten, you better try and reach in there and get him while you can. Mm-hmm. You know, he might not be the record-breaking, but if you need a running back, a solid running back, get you a solid running, uh, running back, receiver, quarterback, anything that you can get. Because, obviously, you're not going to tank the rest of the season just to try to get Bryce Young. I, I, I don't At this point, I don't know who's going to end up with Bryce Young. Well, I mean, you would think, so the Texans are going to get the number one pick in the draft. I mean, yeah. you would think. But they just but they, drafted someone. Well, but they've got Davis Mills, and it seems like they're going to stick with him. Now, that's a whole other situation. You, you've you got Lovey Smith down there. I don't understand the... They, they put like, Lovey in a bad position. Well, but why... Okay, why move on from your guy if you're just going to bring in the defensive coordinator on that same staff? He because didn't change anything. Houston's organization is a mess, and that's the reason why Will McClay stayed where he was in Dallas. Because that organization is a mess. You know, you, a couple of years ago, you get rid of J.J. Uh, J. Watt, top player. You get rid of uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You get And your running back. You get rid of Will Fuller, uh, re- top, another top receiver after uh, behind DeAndre Hopkins. And then you get rid of your head coach. And then you just got rid of another head coach. That organization, and then on top of that, the Deshaun Watson deal. You have no draft capital. You, at all. And so... The Houston Texans organization, not the team per se, but the organization is such a mess 
that it makes the team look bad because they don't know how to draft, they don't know how to sign, and they just they're just cutting players loose because they and then filling them with filling their slots with their space with nothing. You let you let a top offensive lineman go, and and uh, it, was it um, was it Kelsey's brother or Travis Martin? It was Travis Martin. Yeah, Travis Zach Martin's brother. Yeah, and and for what? Why? <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so that's the question with the that's the thing with the Houston Texans is they're bad because of the organization, not because of the players. But there's again, there's no path forward. No. Now, now here's where... They've demolished their path. Okay, here's where I've got a question for concerning the... Back to the coaching situation, because it ties into what we're talking about here. You've got all of these organizations that are a mess. If you're going to go get head coaches, quit bringing in these offensive coordinators, these defensive coordinators, fix it. Go back, see how many of these established head coaches that haven't had jobs in a while will say, you know what? I give it another go. That will be a good listen. You know, make some phone calls. See if you can lure some of these guys back at it. You know, just to see. We're seeing it in Major League Baseball. Uh, you know, the Mets hired Buckshaw Walter out of retirement. You know, uh, the Rangers hired Bruce Bochy. You know, uh, you, you you're seeing it more and more where these guys, Dusty Baker, continues to to be there in Houston. So you're seeing more and more where. These baseball teams are moving away from from hiring the young hip, you know, front office type guys, yeah. and they're starting to go back to let's go get a baseball guy. Why not do that in football? Well, when think, are we going to reach a point where Bill Cowher gets a, a phone call again? Yeah. Where Tony Dungy, you know, for years everybody was trying to lure Tony Dungy, and it's like, okay, well, he's not going to come out, so we're not even going to try. If Herm Edwards will come out of retirement twenty years later to go coach at Arizona State. I, I would think that at some point somebody could offer a Tony Dungy or a Bill Cowher enough money that they would say, "Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna take that job." My, the thing, the thing with that is uh, uh, age. Uh, these guys have been through, you know, they, they've aged, and I and I truly believe that the era of football and the guys that are coming in now are different than when they coached. But that's true. But it's it's true of these baseball guys too. Okay, well, okay. Well, then it's worth the try. You could say that it's worth the try, but I believe that's what Texas the, the Texans was trying to do with Lovey Smith. Yeah, and it didn't work. It, it's not I working. I think out. they looked at him and said, "You know, you you coach with Tony. You've been a head coach in yeah. Chicago. You were a head coach in Tampa. Let's give you another go." Yeah, but I, hey, listen, I, I I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think you you give it a shot. At this point, my question is, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Like you're not winning with these coordinators. You're not, you know, make, you know, if you're uh, Denver, if you're LA, you know, whoever is going to move on, you yeah. know, that seems like they're going to move on from these head coaches. Why not? Uh, even the Raiders, yeah. you know, with oh, over there, you know, Josh McNeil, they tried to give him another go at it. He's would, he's another one. He's clearly a great coordinator. I would even venture to say that you don't hire them. As head coaches, they want to be a head coach. I would bring them on as consultants on how to build a team, and, and but let them have in input, input in the day to day. Hey, show up to the meetings if you want to. Help us with the game plans, whatever. Yes. You know, but I, I don't know. I, I think we've kind of reached a point in the NFL season where there, there's a lot of middling teams. 
Uh, we don't have great contenders now. The Cowboys blow out the Vikings. Yeah. I mean, blow them out. Yeah, that was the Vikings scary. are pretenders. They're not contenders. They're yes. pretenders. <laughs> now, that throws the whole thing in a mix. Because now, if the Cowboys can and the Giants lose again... So now, all of a sudden, they're getting exposed. If if the Cowboys can beat the Giants, then you can turn around and maybe beat Philadelphia. Later on down the line, you can beat Washington. Now, the Commanders are a team that all of a sudden have decided, we're going to win football games. We're going to keep ourselves in the hunt. We're going to be there. you know. And all of a sudden, the NFC East that seemed to be the juggernaut division is not... No, they're 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 powerhousing right now. Yeah, you know, what we're what we're finding out is that Philadelphia is a great football team. Mm-hmm. Well, good foot, very good football team. I don't call them a great football team because here lately, as they've kind of played a rougher schedule, games have been closer. Yeah, very good football team. Dallas, very good football team. Giants, good football team. Commanders, question mark. Yeah. So it's not quite the division that we thought where, oh, you got three big dogs. No, you might have two. Mm-hmm. The other two are going to kind of be there on the periphery. They might, you know, stay in the hunt late. I don't think that the three seed, I don't see a path where the three seed in the NFC East, though, gets a wild card game. I, I don't see that happening. You know, I, yeah. I honestly think if nothing else changes, you're going to see Dallas go to Tampa Bay and and have to go to to play the Buccaneers first round of the playoffs. I, I mean, if nothing else changes, yeah. The only way that that happens is if Philadelphia slips up, loses a game between now and Christmas. Cowboys can win out, and then you've got a game, right? But. Uh... The Giants, looking at the Giants, I mean, I still haven't seen anything uh, impressive impressive about them. But when you when you look at the, the the Cowboys and you look how they dominated the Vikings yesterday, that defense had six. See, Michael Parsons had two, uh, including a strip fumble. Um. Dorrance Dorrance, uh, Armstrong had two. That's four sacks. And then you had uh, the Marcus Lawrence had one, five. uh, J. Ron Kerr, six. And then uh, Fowler. So that's seven sacks. And then on top of that, you shut down the run offense. They couldn't pass the ball because the quarterback was constantly getting hit. Yeah, that offensive line definitely got exposed. Yeah. Well, and... I would almost, since everybody else is going to do it, give the Vikings the benefit of the doubt because you lost your starting uh, left tackle, and then you lost your top safety on offense. But regardless, if you're a true contender, you've got to win that ball game. Yeah. There's no way. They didn't contend at all. No. I mean, Dallas just shut them down on both sides of the ball. And here's the kicker, pun intended, of, of the whole game. You, uh, Brett Maher... Or Mahim uh, <laughs> kicks a sixty-yarder, makes it. Mm-hmm. Thought they were going in halftime. Nope, they want to review the catch by C.D. Lamb, which was an awesome twenty-seven-yard catch uh, down the sideline that Dak threw. 
just threaded the needle right there. Awesome catch. They want to review that. And so now I'm I'm thinking, sitting there thinking, there's no way he's going to make this kick again. Yeah. I was wrong. He kicks it. It goes straight down the middle with some room to spare. You have, when the kicker is, even the kicker is having a great game. Yeah. You know that you've just been utterly defeated. <laughs> oh, mean, yeah. Uh, and the Vikings had nothing to show. They didn't have an answer. Uh, Justin Jefferson only had two uh, two catches of the game. Uh, he got shut down by um, Trayvon Diggs. Um, and then Adam Thielen, he only had one catch. And this is a surprise. Uh, Anthony Brown did a lot, did had a good game. But then again, I also credit that to that front, that front uh, defensive front that Dallas has. You know, that stepped up this week, yesterday. And so, the, and the the Vikings, you know, I, I this is why I'm not sold on these quarterbacks because I remember who they were when they played with other teams. Yeah. This is why I wasn't sold on uh, uh, over there with the Rams now. What's his name? Uh, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford. This is, why I, this is why I wasn't sold on him because I remember how he played with the Lions. This is why I'm not sold with Kirk Cousins because I remember how he played when he was with the Redskins. And so these these quarterbacks, you have to remember, they, and this is why I said they're good for something. They're either good for a couple of picks or a couple of fumbles. And give and they're going to get sacked a few times. But you, you we have to stop putting these quarterbacks and these teams up on these pedestals just because they're winning a few games if they have no true contender. They're not, they have nothing to contend with. You know, the Bills game, they won that game simply because the Bills messed up. Yeah. And it was a good game, but they won that game only because the Bills messed up. They won that game off of their mistake. Not because you played it. Not because you... It was intentional. No. Yeah. I, so I can't take the Vikings serious after yesterday's game. I, I think they still win that division. Of course they it's win. bad I, division. Yeah. But I don't think that they're going to contend... On the upper end of, yeah. of things. Now, now, who's to say they get you know the starting safety back and their left guard back? Uh, it, they get them back and they may do good. But I will have to look at their schedule to see the strength of their schedule, to see who they have next. But to say to say anything about that, uh, man, listen, you couldn't run the ball, and I say it again, you couldn't run the ball, you couldn't pass. Your quarterback just got ate up. If he wasn't getting sacked, he was getting hit. I mean, Dallas defense tore the Vikings to shreds. And nobody saw that coming. I, Not even I, who I thought coming into this week with the Dallas Cowboys was going to be an interesting game because you have Justin Jefferson, who 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 had an awesome, who's been playing exceptionally exceptionally well. Uh, Kirk Cousins as well. And then uh, Dalvin Cook. I mean, you know, I, I just thought that it'd be it'd be a closer game, but I was I was wrong. I, well, I, I I really I had said it on the show last week. I didn't think that Dallas was going to win that game. I thought you know you're coming off a loss that you you know a game that you thought you were yeah. going to win, and then you've got the Vikings, you yeah. know, who whether they were real or not had the momentum. They, right. they were winning games. You know, they just beat Buffalo. They 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 had done things. That you looked at and you said, you know what, this may be one of those years, just like we talked about with the NBA, where a team flukes up 
mm-hmm. and wins. Yeah. Like they shouldn't, yeah. but the ball rolls their way, all the passes <laughs> fall into place, the run game gets going, and all of a sudden you've got a contending football team. But I, I the Cowboys are notorious for this. They're notorious for taking teams who are just like the Vikings and dis- yeah. and, and disappointing them. Uh, but this is what it looks like. Kind of just get off the Vikings for a little bit, but this is what it looks like. This is what a pissed off Dallas Cowboys team looks like. That's true. That's what a pissed off defensive defense looks like. Uh, you have Tony Pollard, who at one point in the game had more yards than the whole entire Vikings offense by himself. Yeah, <laughs> and so and then you look at that, and and to talk about the the one two punch of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, or you know, Ezekiel and Tony Tony Pollard here lately. It seems like it's the one over the other. But oh, don't tell Jerry that. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I hope he doesn't hear it. But Tony Pollard, they're starting to figure out the kind of player that he is, and they're starting to use him uh, accordingly. Uh, he he in college he played just slot receiver. He speed. He get out get out in open space, catch the ball, and we seen that yesterday. What he did. But with him going to the cow, getting drafted by the Cowboys and them converting him to a running back, he's done even better. And you look at that and you say, okay, now where's room for Zeke? I think Zeke is at a point in his career, sadly to say, that he's not a number two back, but he's still valuable. But he's not going to probably won't be getting the, the majority of the snaps anymore. Now he he'll get them on the short yardage, and this is what. Uh, I seen a guy say the other day, you will see Zeke get more of the goal line uh, or third and one or fourth and one snaps. Well, because he's a power back. Yes. He's reached that point in his career where he's not a get him out in open space. and let, No, he just, we're going to pound yeah. you and we're going to pound you and well, we're going to pound you. That's, and I, I kind of fought that to Jason Garrett. You ran him into the ground for the first three years of his career. Well, well he's always been a one back. He's been the number one back since he went to Ohio State. He comes in the NFL right out the gate. He's your number one back. Yeah. So that's the problem, and that's what happens with these running backs. Is that many of them, not all of them. I mean, Derrick Henry's still toting the rock, you know, yeah. just as good as he ever was. I understand he didn't have a hundred yards, but that's because of the way that the Titans chose to attack, not because he couldn't do it. But you you get those once in a, a generation type of backs who you can just hand it to them, and it doesn't matter if they've been doing it for 10 or 15 years, they're just going to pound you and pound you and pound you. Adrian Peterson was that way. Just yeah. going to line up, tackle me if you can. But more often than not, you get those backs like Zeke, who after so many carries, after taking so many hits, after running so many yards, their body just says, that's it. Yeah. Like, I've got some short spurts, I've got some games, but I don't have a season. You right. know, I don't. I don't have the ability anymore it, to get thirty to forty carries and consistently pound the defense and make them pay. He can't do that. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know, uh, you're more in a position with Pollard. Let's get him out in space. Let's let's use him in different situations, and he can make things happen. He's he's got the fresh legs. He's got that fresh mentality because he hasn't been that one back his entire career. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where we're at. Jerry Jones doesn't want to admit that because of the contract they paid Zeke, which was yeah. a dangerous thing to do. But 
in reality, that's where we're at with yeah. that. And then you, and we're getting to a point where we could possibly see a three-back Dallas, you know, Dallas team. In uh, the rookie, the uh, Malik Davis, that you know, he's a good back as well. You know, another pair uh, set of fresh legs. So uh, it's not to take anything from Ezekiel Elliott in the type of running back that he is, but all I'm saying is, it's just we're starting to see, to see a different era uh, of running backs for Dallas, and that's. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, they each had their two touchdowns. Zeke had the rushing touchdowns. Tony had the passing, uh, receiving touchdowns. And they both had a good game yesterday. But I expect to see a little bit more snaps uh, with Tony Pollard than I uh, do with Zeke in the games uh, coming up. In so, talking about that division, the East, talking yeah. about the Cowboys, the Eagles, uh, okay, so you look at the next seven games for the Eagles, okay? They've got the Packers. I've got them winning that ball game. Okay. they got Tennessee. I think they lose that ball game because I think Tennessee runs the football right at them. I think they have problems. They've got the Giants. They've got the Giants twice. I had them winning the first time. Okay? They play the Bears. Uh, you expect them to win that ball game, okay? Mm-hmm. Then they play the Cowboys. That's a that's a question mark for me, okay? Then you play the Giants again. I've got them. I think whether they lose the first time or the second time, I think you split with the Giants. Mm-hmm. So that puts you now at four and two, possibly four and three. And they're what right now? Uh, they are currently leading the division. So but they're, I, they're I'm saying, one right now. Yeah. But I'm saying, moving forward, you look at the rest of that schedule. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you lose the ball game. If you lose the ball game to the Cowboys, that's it. Cowboys win the division. Because you look at the Cowboys schedule, they've got the Giants coming up on Thanksgiving. I've mm-hmm. got them winning that ball game. They've got the Colts. I think they win that ball game. They've got the Texans. I've got them winning that ball game. They've got the Jags. I have them winning that ball game. They've got the Eagles. That's a question mark game. You know yeah. that that one I could see going either way. Then their game with the Titans, I could see that one going either way. And then you've got the Commanders. I think they beat Washington again. If that happens, you've got them at five and zero with two question mark ball games. Let's say that they win one of the other two. At worst, they finish the season six and one. Put them at that that'll be a oh wow thirteen and four season a thirteen and four season and that would have you at uh, eight nine ten eleven twelve and three no that can't be right they have thirteen and four yeah no I'm talking about for uh, Philadelphia Philadelphia I mean let me check their current record it's eight eight and one should be or uh, yeah should be eight and one. Right. Well, that okay, or, then, or nine and one. It's nine and one. It's got to be nine and one because the math doesn't add up. Yeah, it's nine and one. It's week ten. So you've got for them a nine and one ball game, or a nine and one team rather. Mm-hmm. So then that would put them nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and three. 
That's still 16 ball games. Hold on. Read that schedule out again on who you got okay. them losing against. I've got them losing to the Titans. Okay. I've got them losing to the Giants. So I've got them. Three. So the toss-up game, that'll be. Uh, the Cowboys. Yes. So let's say they lose that ball game. Oh, that's that's my other one. Okay, that's yeah. where I was. Mi- mi- <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> D's or, or C's get degrees in math. Uh, so that, that, okay, so then, so if they lose to the Cowboys now, because I've got them beating the Packers, the Giants, the Bears, and the Saints. Yeah. So that puts them at four and three to finish the year. Yeah. So that would put them, they're nine and one now. That'll put them at 13 and four. 13 and four, and that would put the Cowboys. If they went out? Yes. Fourteen and three, so yeah, so they win the division. Yeah, by one game. I, I could, but I think I, I, I think that relies on this. That relies on this week, and then the Eagles. You've got yeah, you've got to beat the Giants. You've got to beat the Eagles, and really, I mean, you could lose that game to Tennessee, but you've got to beat Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, and but. Let's also keep in mind if if Washington keep continues uh, playing like they're playing, <coughs> you're gonna have to beat Washington too, because Washington could easily sneak up into that number three spot. Yeah, so I, I could see that. Yeah, and so you have to you in your division you have to win out. Yeah, I, I can there, see. There's no way. Yeah, that you, you have to win out in your division. But I, I don't think that a third place NFC East team gets in. It goes back to what I said. I don't think that the Commanders then get in the playoffs. Okay, but even if they did, they're still better than whoever they're going to be playing. True, <laughs> because that's that's as of right now. I never thought it. It's been a while since it's been like this for the NFC East. Is that every okay? All four teams have a yeah, but or is the NFC East that good, or is the rest of the NFL that, that bad? Last week's game against the Green Bay Packers, kind of remember I made the comment is that if Dallas got beat by three and what three and sixteen, yeah, and the, Dallas that division is, that, is not that good. Yeah, I said then that just means that everybody because everybody was losing. And the uh, Giants got exposed. The Giants did, and the Eagles. By the Eagles. Yeah. So I said, if that's the case, then everybody is not as good as what we're we saying. Yeah. So either it's that everybody, either they're that good, or and everybody else is bad, or they're not that good, and everybody else is still bad. You know, or okay. It, 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 it's, but I still say that doesn't negate the fact that the NFC East is still a strong powerhouse. Uh, I, better I put, than the AFC. I don't know, though, that the one team in the NFC is better than the one team in the AFC right now. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I think, I, I honestly do. I do. I think the Eagles are better than the Bills as of right now. I'm talking about the one team, though. Who's Oh, the Chiefs? The Chiefs. The Eagles can match up. So okay, but then for, so for the NFC though to win the Super Bowl, it's got to be Philadelphia. I mean, Dallas is a good football team. I, I I'm question not. I'm not. Ex- and this is the thing I said this yesterday. I'm not expecting Dallas to get to the Super Bowl. I'm expecting Dallas to have a good year and maybe make a good run in the playoffs. 
but even to the NFC uh, championship. But I'm not expecting them to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That would be a disappointment. If they win the division, though, and don't make it to the Super Bowl, that's a disappointment. It is, but I'm. this is what, just what I'm saying. I'm not expecting them to do that. But, okay, so what... Here's my other question with this Cowboys team. What is Jerry's expectation? Because all year he, or or all offseason, he talked about. He's talked, talked. Yeah. But all offseason he talked about Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Sean Payton. I think. And he came into the year, and and I said this when we started the show, that, uh, you know, earlier this year. Back in August, I said, listen, it's almost as if Jerry has backed McCarthy into a corner and said, I'm going to give you a crap team. Now go win. Now go win, but I hope you don't because I want to bring old shiny boy back. Yeah. But then, you know, all of a sudden, McCarthy starts winning ball games and, and it's, you know, pandemonium in Dallas and yeah. this great defense and we're running the football and, you know, we're talking about the 90s and yeah. Jimmy Johnson's getting on there and saying, hey, you know, they, they, they've got a great football team. and Hey, we're back. Yeah. We're the Dallas Cowboys. But now, where are the expectations? Because if he doesn't make, if he wins the division and he doesn't make the Super Bowl, I think, I think that Mike McCarthy gets fired. But do you justify that? Well, okay. I, I, I say this also. Let me say this about Jerry. Jerry talks. And I said this yesterday because someone, it was a post out there that said, you know, hey, you know, Jerry, stop teasing the Cowboys fans. Mm-hmm. If you're going to sign Odell Beckham, go and sign him. That's the other thing. Are we go- Do the Cowboys, are they going to step up? It, what is the thing here? Well, my, because my, you still have McCarthy coming out and saying, McCarthy. But that leads to my next. Keep I know saying we're satisfied. Yeah, but that leads to my next thing is I don't think Jerry has expectations. I think Mike McCarthy does. I think Jerry is just talking. Because until Jerry puts pen to paper, then it means nothing. Jerry loves the camera. He loves the media. He loves for all that just to be all on him and about him. Therefore, Jerry is just talking. With Odell Beckham, Mike McCarthy may say, yes, we're comf- I'm comfortable. I like the team that we have, our receiving core. We're good. But Jerry is probably saying, well, I want to add OBJ. I think that's more so of a press move than it is a team move. He will help the team. It'll give Dak some more looks. It'll give more of a distraction side. Okay, but here's the problem. If the Cowboys get OBJ, everybody and their blind grandmother knows that Kellen Moore will want to go all exotic with the Okay, player. but here's the thing. The Cowboys just signed another receiver in Callaway from the uh, uh Think he played with the Browns? He did. They just signed him. He's another slot. You get oh, the Cowboys don't have any slot receivers right now. Okay, but Dak is not a quarterback who needs to be throwing the ball forty or fifty times yeah. a game. Okay, but say that who's saying that should happen? That could happen. Well, I'm saying because of Kellen Moore. But I, I'm, yeah. that's that's yeah. where I think you have to be careful. But yeah, and you're right. But I also think that's a distract that that causes a distraction for the defenses that they will play, is because defenses could easily say, "Okay, well they just signed Odell Beckham. They're planning to air it out some, or to throw a little bit more, do a little bit more passing." Also, and and signing Callaway as a, another speed receiver, they're they're about to they're about to just start airing it out, throwing it. But 
with how well that your offense is going with the run game, that could be even better for your run game because that what that drops your safeties. True. That fills up your corners. All you have left, and with your tight ends, you have open space. All you got to do is get past the front four or three. But, okay, but I go back to OBJ in Cleveland. Cleve, he ran into the same situation. Nick Chubb just run yeah. the football, let Baker Mayfield dink and dunk, and all of a sudden, oh, I want my touches. Well, let's just throw the ball. Yeah. Well, let's just hope and pray that Kellen Moore got it together on what his identity, offensive identity is. It's because you're right. They wanted to air it out there, and they didn't have a quarterback to do so. Well, he definitely wanted he won, Yeah. And and the thing, and this is, I said this before, when he got to L.A., they knew how to use him. Yeah. They had Matthew Stafford. Matt could have aired it out there too many days, but o, Odell Beckham wasn't that type of receiver anymore. And, and so that that's the other thing, is the, the question that will have to be answered if this is going to work out, if Odell's going to work out in Dallas. The question that will have to be answered is, has Odell matured to the point of realizing who he is at this point in his career? That he's not the run 90 yards, you know, stretch the field and air it out, I'm going to go score in one play. That he's more of the, I'm going to get out in space, make things happen, do some different things type of receiver. And so that's kind of the question now that will have to be answered if, and I go back to if, Odell's going to come to Dallas. Because, you know, it it seems like the winner of the Dallas and New York game is going to be the winner of the OBJ sweepstakes. Uh, And so I I think it could work. I've kind of advocated for it a little bit on the show more behind the scenes. I think it would be a good move for the Cowboys. I think it does give you another offensive weapon to, to put out there in space, make things happen, uh, and be a, a, a offense that you know can catch guys off balance, can, can put some guys in position now to make plays to go win a ball game. But it goes back to Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott. Is Kellen Moore willing to say, you know what, Dak's not that guy. He's not going to be the put-it-on-his-shoulders type of quarterback. And so I'm going to design an offense and stick with it, as as they've been doing over the past several games now. I'm going to design this offense, stick with it. We're going to run the football. We're going to just manage the game. And if we get Odell, we're just going to say, you know what? Get out in space, make some things happen, but you're not going to get your 20 touches. You're not going to get even 15 touches. You're going to be more of a, you know, 8 to 12 touch receiver. And when you get it, go make plays. But I think that if, if, if this is all going to work for all parties involved, there's going to have to be a sit down where everybody gets an agreement. This is what we've got to do as an organization and as a football team to put ourselves in a position now to go contend for an NFC uh, title. An NFC East championship, an NFC uh, championship ball game, and maybe a berth into the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. that that's the the puzzle pieces that have yet to be kind of put together. But seemingly now, those type of questions are going to be answered after Thanksgiving, where yeah. you know Odell makes a decision, and then we see where the the chips are going to fall following that. And, and that first game is going to be key to me. If he comes to Dallas. 
The first game is going to be key because we're going to get an insight into what is Kellen Moore thinking. Yeah. What's the play calling going to look like? How is Odell going to respond and, and see where we can go from and, there? To kind of be honest, in this moment with Odell, where he goes and which team can use him the most, I say that the Giants could use him the most, more than the Cowboys. Uh, because the Giants don't necessarily have a receiving game. and But you have a quarterback that can throw it. You know he's got an arm. Yeah, and, but the type of for the type of receiver that Odell is, you have that type of quarterback, and Dallas doesn't necessarily need him. Um, they could use him, but they don't need him. If Odell goes to Dallas, I think it's going to be the same thought process as we went to LA. There's a team that I think I can pick off a championship, possibly. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go do, unless he looks at New York and says, "Hey." That welcome me back. I'm a big star. Yeah. I'm gonna sell some tickets, and I think I can push them over the hump. Maybe, I, yeah. You know, but maybe that's that's well, where it and goes. That's, that's what he said. He said, you know, he's always wanted to do something for that city. So, yeah. Him going to back to going back to New York will maybe possibly uh, he'll be able to help them get there. Um, maybe not this season if he, but maybe the next. But uh, definitely, if he goes to the Cowboys, then. He's he could be a key factor in that offense, but it also it just still relies on and remains on what Kellen Moore wants to do and what he will do. So before we move off of the NFL, okay. I've got an off the field topic to discuss: alcohol in the NFL. Mm. It's starting to become an issue, specifically in regards to teams providing alcohol to players and coaches. So it started with the Tennessee Titans. Their offensive coordinator, and I, I want to make sure that I quote the times correctly, Todd Downing was arrested. Uh, this is last weekend, or, or last Thursday, rather, after they beat Green Bay. He was arrested early Friday morning. He gets off of the team plane at 2 11 at the Nashville airport, and he is pulled over at 349 and arrested for a DWI. Or officially, I think, uh, let's see, DUI, I'm sorry. They, they follow as a DUI. Gets pulled over, gets arrested. The question's going to be, was he providing alcohol on the team plane? Because that goes against the NFL policy. Okay. Now, in conjunction with that, right after that happens... There's then a report that the Washington Commanders, let me find that one, there's a report that the Washington Commanders all of a sudden have the same issue and that there will be a significant, as a response, there's going to be a significant punishment handed down for teams that do this. So here is, let me find the specifics on the the, uh, commanders. They had to discipline several players after they were sent on social media with alcohol on the flight home. So they handled that internally uh, as a team. But this was the press release put out by Roger Goodell, a memo that was sent hours uh, after this happened. 
Since in light of recent events, clubs are reminded that league policy prohibits alcoholic beverages, including beer, in the locker rooms, practice, or office facilities, or while traveling on team buses or planes at any time during the preseason, regular season, or postseason. Okay. This applies to all players, coaches, club personnel, and guests traveling with your team. This policy has been in place for many years, making alcohol available at club facilities or while traveling creates significant and unnecessary risk to the league, its players, coaches, and others. Violation of this important policy will be taken seriously and will result in significant discipline. Each club should ensure that its travel arrangements do not include providing alcohol service at any time and should also take appropriate steps to confirm that alcohol whether beer or any other alcoholic beverage, is not available at its facility. Please direct all further questions on this subject to Management Council or Football Operations. That was what he sent to every NFL franchise uh, out there following these incidences. Okay. Now, I, I'm hearing it, and, and I'm understanding it. Uh, isn't, it, is, isn't, isn't it illegal to travel alcohol anyways? Airports. No, not on flights. Flights provide alcohol. Yeah, but okay. Party buses provide alcohol too. Yeah, so, but that, okay. that part of it's not illegal. So the problem is that the NFL getting... doesn't. Well, because you can. You, well, you can I, but where are flight. these players getting the alcohol then? If that's the they just bringing it like so. Apparently, on the Washington situation, they just brought it onto the team plane. Yeah. Uh, that would seem to have possibly been the case with the Titans, that they brought it on the team plane. Okay. So that that's the issue. And that's illegal. Like, that's against... Well, illegal in the sense that it's against NFL policy. They, they don't allow that. Right. And the reason being that you don't want a coach or a player doing this, getting off the team plane, then getting into an accident, uh, or having a... a uh, uh, a situation that the Chiefs had where Andy Reid's son, you know, was in a, a drunk driving accident, killed somebody. Yeah. Goes to prison. Now, that was not team-related, but still, that's bad publicity for the NFL. So that's kind of where it's at. But now, all of a sudden, it's like a problem. Now you've got two or three teams that have come out and said, well, we, you know, we made a mistake. I will say this is, you know, this is the kind of issue that NFL should have their hands in. Uh, and rightfully so. And th- this is a this is really what really affects your image, not other stuff, because that's more personal. But this more so affects your image, and now you're responsible for anything that happens after, because it was in your policy, and you were supposed to keep an eye on it. But my question is, how in the world do you hire staff on a plane that would give alcohol? To players and or coaches, knowing that it's against the policy, NFL policy. I mean, how is that? It comes back to we're seeing more and more where these players, coaches, organizations, even the owners of some of these organizations, are beating their chest and saying, if you want me, come get me. Mm. And they're daring Roger Goodell to do something because he's let so much slide He's let so much go that it's kind of gotten to a point where they think they're going to police themselves, create their own rules, put themselves in whatever situation they so choose. Yeah. And they just feel like we're the owners, we're the general managers, we're the players, we're the coaches, we're going to run this thing how we want to run it. 
regardless of what Roger Goodell says. And this happened to get kind of publicized because now you have a coach, a, a, a high-end coach. This is a low-end assistant. This is your offensive coordinator. Just beat the Packers. And now he's getting arrested immediately after being on the team plane for, for having consumed alcohol. That That's where this comes down to. Uh, and it's kind of interesting to me that Roger Goodell has reached a point where he... I'm going to put my foot down here, but I'm not going to put my foot down there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not to say that he shouldn't. I, I agree with you. This is a an issue where the NFL should be involved. But if you're going to start bringing the hammer down here, then tell Deshaun Watson he can't play football. I don't disagree that, with you. That's the issue, is that Roger Goodell has, for so many years now, you know, tell... Uh, Dan Snyder, you can't own a football team. Uh, stand up for, I mean, start doing these things. But it's gotten to a point where where Goodell has picked and chosen yes, no, yes, no for so long on different issues that that now everybody thinks that the rules just don't really matter. Yeah. That there's no consequence for these actions. Uh, and if you're the NFL, you've got to get a uniformed approach. This is how we're going to handle issues across the board. We're going to we're going to enforce it. We're going to investigate it. We're going to suspend you. We're going to fine you. Whatever. But this is how we're going to handle not only this issue, but all issues moving forward. We're going to quit picking and choosing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to stand up. And we're going to say, this is our stance. And, and then move on. I, I agree. I I agree. Um, I won't say that it's a shocker that this is an issue, uh, because it's not. I mean, if you look at it, what 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 generally happens after every championship win? Mm-hmm. You're popping bottles. Yep. Smoking cigars, popping bottles. I but so so here's my deal. If we if if this is gonna be if this is the policy in the NFL, which I didn't realize, allow, that. yeah, you 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 shouldn't allow that. Exactly. You, well, then we've got to say, and I'm not saying that that would be wrong. In fact, I I almost applaud that because of situations like this. Yes. Um, but I like I said, I nobody really realized that that was the policy until now. All of a sudden, Goodell's putting it out there that hey, it's our policy that you can't do that. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, it's one of those things that was kind of kept whatever until it became a public issue. Well, I think what what kind of drove it was, even though it wasn't, he wasn't with the team when it happened, the Henry Ruggs. You yeah, know, that, that he was, was terrible. Speeding un, uh, under the influence, intoxicated. Going 130 miles an Yes, hour. and killed the woman. And so now he has a manslaughter, or, or is it a manslaughter charge or murder? A murder charge. Yes, and so that he got prison time. Yeah, and so that say that goes back on the NFL. You know, it shouldn't, but he was an NFL player, and so like I said, rightfully so, they should crack down on this. But it's like you said, if you're going to do that, then you have to do the same thing with everything else. Yeah, I, you have to get to that point. But I said before, like I said just a minute ago, it does not. Shock me, uh, because I know how it is. You know, at the big win, you know, you want to celebrate. You know, you just or you stress. You want to have a drink or whatever. 
But but okay, how does stuff like this then start to be perceived by the public? Because for instance, Sam Pittman beat Ole Miss and is now bowl eligible. His the first question he asked, "How are you going to celebrate being bowl eligible?" He said, "Oh, I'm going to go crack me a big cold one because that's what I like to do." Mm-hmm. Are comments like that permissible? If if it's about the image, which I don't disagree with, then 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 we've got to even at the college level, we've got to get to a point where that's not even a part of the discussion. Yeah. If people want to do that in their private lives, okay, whatever, move on. You can't control that. But but I, it's I, almost reaching a point because of different incidences that have happened. Yeah. That we're going to have to say, you know, we're not going to allow this to be publicly promoted like this. Yes. And where and and honestly, in order for this to even be cracked down upon, you got to do it all the way across the profession or any sports spectrum. It's more specifically in the uh, the the professionals because it's been it's been in the national light and in phase for so long that people have become desensitized to it. Like I said before, first thing you see at the Super Bowl in the locker room, you see. They're popping champagne bottles, alcohol, and they're, they're drinking. They're drinking. That, After, that, so that's where it 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 doesn't really make sense. This memo that sent out that hey, we don't allow that when on national television we have watched these guys consume alcohol. Yeah. in a locker room. Yeah, what? <laughs> even at, after this, also like I said, you have to do it. NFL, NBA. Um, Major leagues, yeah, hockey, major league baseball. But everything. the problem is that now they all, all sudden, do it. But now all of a sudden they want to take these moral stances. But you've been making money off of it for years. That's the big it's issue, been, and it's been in the public eye. Yeah, I, I think that's the issue. But I, that's an issue that's kind of been quiet. It's kind of gotten a little bit of publicity here and there. But because it happened in the middle of the football season, we're not really talking about it. If it was an off season thing, that would kind of dominate the airwaves. Uh, but it was something that I, I did want to touch on. So now we move on to college football and all the the mess that is college football and the four-team playoff system. So Tennessee gets beat. Henry Hooker is out for the rest of the year with an ACL tear. TCU wins by a point. USC beats UCLA, a a good UCLA offense and, and football team. Yeah. Now you've got a mess. This weekend, you have the the game that kind of sets everything up with Michigan and Ohio State. But because of this whole situation, the way it's shaking out, the loser of Michigan and Ohio State, because they both played close ball games this past weekend, my prediction is the loser of that is out no matter what happens. Based off of strength of schedule. And the way that you've played that schedule. And, and that's where you lose me, right? That's where they lose me right there. Is I told you this, and you said it too. It's, you, these teams can't help who they play. They can't help but, the but conference in the ca- that they're Okay, in. but in the case of Ohio State and, and, and Michigan, the reason that the loser is going to be out based on strength of schedule is that they played some close games that shouldn't have been close. That's going to be their issue. <sighs> For the, as far as making a case for the loser. Yeah. It, it comes down to not just the strength of schedule, but the eye test. How does it look? Now, I think, personally, that Michigan may have the best college football running game in the country. Yeah. Over I, Ohio I mean, State, who's known for running. 
But you know, I, I I agree with you. I, I'm I'm more on favored on the uh, Michigan side than I am the Ohio State side. Uh, I think that they're the better football team. We'll find out Saturday. But yeah. I personally believe that they are the better football team. But then you look at okay, so Tennessee's out. Yeah, Tennessee. That, they're, they're there's done. no yeah. USC still has a path. They win the Pac-12. But the only way, in my mind, that they get in is if TCU gets beat in the Big 12 championship game. But, based off of strength of schedule, a case could be made that a one-loss USC Pac-12 champion is better than an undefeated TCU champion. Who are they playing in in, in the championship? That's yet to be decided in the Pac-12. And, and the T and uh, uh, who, TCU is would, still up in the air because of that mess that is the Big Twelve. Yeah. Who who could it be? Baylor could still, I think, believe be in the running because I don't know that that whole deal is such a mess because UT lost. You know, previous last week. Yeah. I mean, you know, so you had UT getting beat. You've got Oklahoma State's lost two or three games. Oklahoma's not going to be in it. I mean. Uh, could be a rematch, I would think, between TCU and Baylor. Just one point ball game. Hmm. But even an undefeated TCU team with only a one point win, they would have to dominate. In my mind, they would have to dominate the Big Twelve championship game to still stay in the top four, even if they're undefeated. I think you would have to win that ball game in in commanding fashion to pass the eye test. That's just, <laughs> and the one that can really throw a loop in uh, in the deal is if LSU beats Georgia, because even though you've got two losses, you've avenged one of them because now you've turned and beat well, this, Georgia. Yeah, well, this is why I said if Georgia gets beat, Georgia's out. I don't think so. Why they got beat? Okay, but then I I, I don't I don't know that they are. Okay, because I think that I think if LSU beats Georgia, I think that's what messes up TCU, because I don't think you're going to kick Georgia out. Georgia may drop to four, but I don't think you're going to kick them out. I think if LSU beats Georgia, I think that a case will be made that LSU has has avenged their early season woes. Now they're one of the top teams in the country. I think LSU gets in. I would think, okay, let's say Michigan meets Ohio State. I think Michigan State's in. I think Georgia would still be in. And then you could still make a case that the the one loss USC then would be better than an undefeated TCU. I think you've got LSU... Michigan, Georgia, and possibly USC. I would like to see USC in there. I'm not going to lie to you and say I wouldn't. And I would here's like why to see I think them. that you get USC in there, because that's ratings. Yeah. Don't be mistaken. This is all about who can get the most eyeballs on a football game. Yeah. As good as TCU is, they're a regional team. Outside of the people who follow TCU religiously you're not going to get a whole lot of eyeballs on their their football game. Because I don't know, even after watching them beat Texas, they barely beat Baylor, I don't know anybody in the country 
that honestly looks at that football team and says, I think that they could beat a Georgia or a Michigan or even an LSU. I don't think that there's anybody in the country that really honestly watches them and thinks that. Not to say it can't happen, but I'm saying you're not going to get that draw. I have seen a little bit of USC, you know, the problem is they play out, the, USC's biggest issue with ratings right now is that they play on the West Coast, they play at 10 o'clock all the time. But, they beat a very good UCLA, they beat everybody they're supposed to beat, mostly in commanding fashion. Yeah. You watch them and you think they could put up enough points. And, you have that storyline with Lincoln Riley taking everybody and their grand dog over to California out of Bedlam. <laughs> or uh, Stillwater. Right? Yeah. So, it is about ratings. I I just say TCU. It's because I see why take a team who's worked their butts off all season just to manage and stay and manage to be undefeated in their conference and say, well, because you get you have less ratings, no one really watches you, you're not too much of a big story, we're going to choose a, US, a USC team a link, who, who has a great story in Leak and Riley, and they only have one loss, and compared to the strength of schedule, they're more capable, they're more uh, deserving than you. I just don't see okay. why that is... Here's why because they did they finally let Cincinnati in. They let a group of five school in. Well, that, that's what undefeated. messed it up then. And then they they messed it up because they got blown out. I mean, absolutely embarrassed on national television. That messed it up for everybody's Cinderella story football team. Now, even though the Big Twelve is still considered a Power Five conference, nobody's looking at the Big Twelve this year and going, "That's a great conference." Yeah, there well. nobody is. So I think that's the problem is that they finally let a team in that just beat up on a bad conference and said, you know what, we're going to give them a chance. They got blown out, and now all of a sudden they're looking around going, yeah, okay, never mind, we didn't mean that. We weren't serious. I I, I don't know, man. Uh, I just say, I wouldn't feel right I mean, I feel a certain way if TCU didn't get in, it's because they, I mean, you won your division. You, you, I mean, you but win you your, can, your okay. But can you really compete for a national championship? When okay, now I, I'm a proponent of the 12 team thing because then we're not even. This isn't even a discussion. Yeah. But as it is right now, we're stuck in this four team system for now. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Therefore, it is that committee's job to get four teams that all have a legitimate chance to compete for and win a national championship. Do you think USC has a chance? Yes. With that offense, I absolutely do. I, In my mind, having watched them, just the eye test, mm-hmm. USC is a better football team. LSU, in my mind, is a better football team. Having watched them play. I, 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 I'm still, I still push for TCU, but I, I understand what you're saying, but I still push for TCU. I mean, you just never know. I, I, 
thought before before Tennessee got beat by South Carolina, in my mind, I had Tennessee as a better football team. I, even though they got beat by Georgia, I still yeah. now now the argument that was that would be against Tennessee, even if they had won against South Carolina, was that they got dominated by Georgia. Yeah, and and then you look and go, okay, well that probably would happen again. That I thought I, in my mind, that's what hurt them. What helps LSU is that that loss came earlier, so now all of a sudden you've got momentum. You could go and beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. You're in. I think if I think if LSU beats Georgia, they're in, even with two losses, because you won the SEC. Yeah, which is the conference in college football. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you won your conference, and Georgia should be out. I don't think they are though, because I mean, it's messed up, man. Get your okay, but unless they get blown out, I don't see any way that you kick them out. What would we? we okay, so what would be the point if that's the case? What would be the point of playing a championship game if they're just going to be that's, in okay? That's the that's the argument. That's why some of these conferences debate about whether or not they should have a championship game because really and truly, you put yourself in a better position in certain cases. If you don't like the Big Ten for playoff purposes of getting two teams into the playoffs, we better off if Michigan and Ohio State didn't play each other all year. They would they they would actually be better off if that didn't happen. Yeah. So that's why again that goes back to that point. But because you do have a championship game, the only way that I I see that committee saying Georgia is out is if Georgia gets blown out. That's the only way. This is a headache. This is, and we're gonna have another headache next week, unless something wonky happens next weekend. We're gonna continue because now the 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 oh, only gosh. thing that'll be different might be the order that we're discussing these yeah. teams in. I wish they just hurry up with this twelve team playoff bracket or however they're gonna do it because that will make they a lot more twelve sense. teams. It would make a lot more sense, you know, because uh, as it sits right now, it's like I said, you're telling teams who work their tails off just to remain undefeated in a, in their conference and well, then get to the point. Think about this, though. If we went to 12 teams, all of a sudden Alabama's decided to be Alabama again. They would still be in the playoffs. <laughs> Either or. I mean, okay, but that's to be expected. But then that opens, but that still opens up doors for other teams. What well, I agree, because then Tennessee possibly is still in there. Yeah, possibly. Uh, Ole Miss maybe. Ole Miss's problem is they they don't have the quarterback that they that they enjoyed in Matt Corral. Yeah, they got a young quarterback. He makes some bad decisions. That's what killed him against Alabama. Uh, but still. I just, I go back to this is where we're headed with college football and that you don't have, it's going to be hard to say that's a great football team. Mm. You're going to have really good football teams, but because of, I mean, for goodness sake, Spencer Rattler beat Tennessee. Some people forgot he's still playing college football. And all of a sudden, because of the transfer portal, he's got an extra life in him. I, 
you know, it, it goes back to what all of these coaches have said about this transfer portal. Mm-hmm. That it is watering down the sport. Because now these guys know we can go wherever we want. And instead of having... I mean, even... Okay, here's another team that's going to be on the periphery of, of still being in the conversation. It's Clemson. Because they may win the ACC. Now, I don't see how a Clemson team gets over even uh, TCU. Because I, I think that the Big 12 is still better than the ACC. That That'll be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Uh, if that comes about. But it goes back to teams like that. For years, Clemson had Trevor Lawrence and everybody around him. You had Alabama, who had Mac Jones and everybody around him. They had... Uh, you know, Bryce Young and everybody around it. The, the, for you, the, AJ McCarron and everybody around. It. Like mm-hmm. you just had these teams. Uh, you had Justin Fields famously has said more than on more than one occasion that the players that surrounded him at Ohio State are were better overall than the players that surround him in Chicago. You had teams like that, right? You don't have that now. Now you've got one or two guys here, one or two guys there, one. And, all over the country. But you don't have just four, five, six, seven of these five stars all deciding we're going to play together, we're going to win a national championship and all that. Now you've got more guys saying, I'm going to go here because I can be the man. Right. And as a result, I'm going to get this name, image, and likeness. I'm going to get the publicity. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. And it is creating a situation where now all of a sudden you've got four or five teams that might win a national championship. But it overall is watering down some of these conversations. And it's watering down the product that you see week in and week out. Because whether we like to admit this or not, we don't want parity. We say we do, but deep down, nobody wants parity. We don't like it in the NFL, and we don't like it in college football. Right. and We want the, the, the teams to dominate. You want to have one or two titans that at the end of the year, every year, play each other, and there's your Super Bowl champ or your national champion. Well, I think every people long for, I won't say everybody, but people long, some people long for a Cinderella story. You know, the the least the least expected guy to we win. Do, yeah, we do until they get embarrassed. That's, see, that's the thing. We long for that Cinderella story. We want to root for the underdog. That's why you have people who, when Tom Brady's were with the Patriots, and I was one of them, I couldn't stand the Patriots because they were constantly winning. You have people who get to the point where they're tired of seeing the same old teams win. Yeah, but it's bad for ratings. It is. No, but, no, no. If those teams don't win, yeah, that's bad for but, ratings. And I get that, but this is what people want to see. They want to see the underdogs succeed for once. And so that's why you had but Cincinnati. Gonna, but that's not going to happen in college football. I, I, listen, not a I, true underdog because I, I, even some of these teams on the periphery would not be underdogs. You expect them yeah. at some point to be contenders. Listen, I, and I understand. I I totally agree, but that's what people long to see. Whether or not it's a shot in the dark or just some kind of fairy tale story, that's what people want to see. Some people want to see that. You know, some people want to see the the TCU's, the Cincinnati's. Or uh, uh, the Texas Longhorns. People want to see that because, okay, this is something. This is a fresh team. This is something fresh. It's not the same old Alabama, Clemson, or uh, uh, 
Georgia, LSU. It's not the same old teams going head to head. You know, it's something fresh because at the end of the day, it got to a point where no matter who faced Alabama in the championship, we knew Alabama was going to win. Yeah. And no matter the other three teams that was in the top four with Alabama, Alabama's going to win. No matter what. Until Clemson knocked them off that one year. Exactly. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, somebody can actually beat Alabama. Exactly. But see, that's like a Cinderella story too. Yeah. So you people want to see that because now we have a different story to talk about other than Alabama winning for five years straight. We have a different team that to talk about. And so that's why I, I push for TCU. Now they may teach you, I don't know. But because people want to see that Cinderella story. Now, we talk about ratings, but the ratings are only on the college football board. It's not about, I don't think it's an overall deal. Because it can't be. Because then you wouldn't even be talking about USC. That's a, That'll be a Cinderella story, too. You wouldn't even be yeah. talking about Michigan. That'd be a Cinderella story, too. No, you're definitely talking about Michigan because Michigan gets all those ESPN games. But this is what I'm. But what I'm saying is, they're not. They're the least expected to be there. Alabama's expected to no, be Mi- there. Michigan's expected to be there because you got Jim Harbaugh. But no, what I, you're not getting what I'm saying. People, not the college ratings. People are not expecting Michigan. Nobody really pays attention to Michigan like that. You're saying just general fans. Yes. Okay, I can go with that. That's what I'm saying. Anybody who really watches college football realizes that that's probably one of the, yeah. definitely one of the top four teams in the Yeah, country. but I'm talking about in general. People want to, no, I mean, it's either, it's constantly Alabama or Georgia, maybe LSU, Clemson, I mean, and Ohio State periodically. That's it. But nobody's looking and thinking like Michigan. Where'd they come from? You know, they're good, but they're they're finally good enough to be mentioned in the conversation. USC's finally good enough to be mentioned in the conversation. TCU's finally good enough to be mentioned in the conversation. Oh, I want to see this. Everybody's tired because that's what I'm saying. That's just like I go back to saying players are how when I said players are rather are choosing these other schools other than going to Alabama because everybody wants to go to Alabama. And think that they're going to win a national championship. But these, the thing is, you get tired of the same old cliche thing. What made a difference, why this is so, why it's so tough, is not because the other teams are good, but it's because Alabama ain't in there. When True. Alabama ain't in there, it messes everything up. Well, because then you have a conversation. Exactly. So that's what I'm getting at is, when the same old teams are in there, you don't have a conversation. You have nothing. But because Alabama ain't make it now, you have possible Cinderella stories popping into place. Yeah. Over Georgia. Over LSU. or Not even over LSU, but over Georgia because Georgia's the number one team. Right. So you have, you have at least two Cinderella stories waiting to happen. Whether it be TCU or USC getting in. Or even LSU, that would be a good oh, yeah. redemption story for Brian Kelly. Exactly. Because everybody was ready to laugh him so, okay, off the well, stage. Okay, well, so you go. Three in a, three Cinderella stories over Georgia. True. I'm telling you. That, but I still think that out of all those out of those three, I still think TCU's on the outside looking in. Based off of strength of schedule. They may be, but like I said, it's their possible Cinderella story. Whoever gets in... 
outside of outside of Georgia and LSU. It's a Cinderella story. So not a college football playoff discussion, but interesting. Auburn wins again. Ken Light Williams is quietly creating a case for that job to go to Ken Light Williams. No Dion. Ole Miss has made a new contract offer to keep Lane Kiffin there at Ole Miss, which he hasn't officially said anything yet, but I mean, you know, seemingly maybe he takes that. But it might be that they that Auburn looks around and goes, you know what, we're gonna keep him. Even Nick Saban kind of endorsed him. So I say they keep him. I say Dion, like I said before last week. In the week before, Dion stayed where he at and, and Jackson stayed. But talking about a lot of that. talk for nothing. Even Dion said he wasn't going nowhere. So I think that was more of a media thing than it was a Dion thing. Um he he may have been interested. But I say, why leave something that you already got going? You're, it's doing great. And Matt Rule's not being mentioned anymore for any of these jobs. Now, he may get one of the other job, maybe the Nebraska job or something. But Matt Rule quietly has gone away. <laughs> you know, after he got fired in Carolina, everybody assumed, oh, he'll get one of the top college jobs. That may well, not be may the take case. A while. It took a while for Evan Meyer to even be considered in conversations for another job. I don't know. It's going to take a while. So you think that Matt Rule doesn't get a job? I ain't saying he ain't going to get a job. What I'm saying is I'm saying this this season. No. You don't think so? No. Season's almost over. No, I'm talking about for 2023, though. Do you think think Matt Rule coaches in 2023 as a head football coach of a college? If he does, I don't see it being Nebraska. I see it being a team like Arizona State. Yeah, Arizona or State, yeah. yeah. Possibly. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe yeah. go rehab your image. Kinda right. like you did at Temple and then you got the Baylor job and yeah. see what happens. Well, we're gonna close out the show with uh high school football. You know, I know y'all were well, what about Major League Baseball? There's been nothing. This is kind of a quiet time, even in the free agency period. Now, after Christmas, you start heading, or after Thanksgiving, you head into the winter meetings. Then we're going to have some talk. Uh, I'm waiting on you know the Texas Rangers to make some moves. Somebody's got to go get Aaron Judge, uh, Jacob Degrom. There's several marquee guys, but you generally don't see movement uh, in that area until after Thanksgiving. So, so stay tuned for that. But looking at high school football. Dangerfield, we were at that ball game. They beat DeCab. They're going to play Newton. Yeah. SFA. This is this is the three A Division two showdown that everybody has expected out of this region. Okay, Newton fans, calm down. You do this all the time when y'all are good and you you're good annually, but y'all tend to think sometimes that oh we're just world beaters, we're untouchable. You start mouthing all over the place. Calm down. So I, I did some figures today. Just gonna get a look at this matchup on paper. Okay. Let's see here. Newton is averaging fifty two points a game. Okay. While giving up an average of ten points a game. Dangerfield's averaging forty three points a game while giving up an average of twenty one points a game. But here's the kicker. Newton's strength of schedule, their overall schedule is six, a combined 67 and 66. 
Dangerfield's combined schedule of opponents is 69 and 65. You know, based off who they played the, the opponents. Came out 69 and 65. And uh, Newton's big argument is, well, we beat Jasper, we beat West Orange Stark. You beat a down Jasper team, you beat a down West Orange Stark. I will go toe-to-toe with anybody that wants to talk about Newton's strength of schedule, and here's why. I've seen Timpson with my own two eyes. I've seen Center with my own two eyes. And I'm telling you that Timpson and Center both would beat anybody, almost anybody on Newton's schedule. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. The only the only ones that I question would be Timpson against a 4A team because you got a bunch of fresh bodies coming in then. Yeah. I, I would question that a little bit. I think Center beats West Orange, Jasper, Woodville, Anaway, I, I think that they beat all of them. Yeah. But I, are, I say that Timson gives all those 4A teams that Newton's played a run for their money. I do. Because Timson is they're really that good. Yeah, they're that team. Uh, uh, but it, I, I agree with you. And having These watched are, some film, I see no reason why this shouldn't be a very hard-fought, close football game. Yeah. But it's just like I said, it's it's really going to depend on the defensive fronts uh, more so than the secondaries. You you have a uh, a spread uh, Newton, you have a spread Dangerfield. I mean, it's going to depend on the fronts and how how well each each side move up front. But and I, I don't, don't want to gloss over before we get too deep into the Newton Dangerfield matchup. Matchup. I don't want to gloss over decap. That was a darn good football team. Oh yeah. Anybody that looked at that and said, oh, that was too close for comfort. DCAB was a darn good football team. Yeah. They could run the football well. They did their job. You know, it comes down to the quarterback gets hurt. Uh, They try, you know, there's some questionable decisions in my mind on the, I don't understand late in that ball game why you don't just take the the delay of game penalty and back yourself up. You lost your timeout that you could have used late. Now all of a sudden you got to throw it. And, and, And I like what Coach Nelson, when we interviewed him, said. He said, we made one adjustment. Literally, they made one adjustment on the bootleg pass, and that was it. That's all you had to do. and Because that was the only play. DCAB had one sustained drive the entire football game. The rest of it was that there were some busted coverages on those bootleg passes. That was it. That was it. Their first two touchdowns were those. And then that last one was that sustained drive. They were able to drive down the field and get in the red zone to score. But... That being said about DK. And even that one that drive was aided by a questionable personal foul penalty on fourth down. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I will say this about about DCAP is you know, because I I was uh talking to a family member yesterday about that game. I was like, oh DCAP, DCAP ain't I was like, no, DCAP is a very serious contender. even maybe next year. Uh and but- I really thought in my mind, that we saw him with the big back. I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, Ricky Williams. Well, Winky. It's Winky Williams. Winky Williams. Winky Williams. I'm sorry. Yeah. We saw him with him. They were in the pro line with him. Yeah. They went to a split back set, mm-hmm. op, triple option set, without him. In my mind, they were a better football team out of the split back triple option. Yeah. Because it wasn't just a downhill attack. You could do that a little bit with your fullback. But then you you gave your athletes some chances out in space, right? Um, but they were a very good team, very uh, disciplined. I think they only had one, maybe one or two penalties the whole game. Two, I, I believe. And 
very disciplined, hard, physical. I mean, to start the game off, man, the, the defense was playing lights out. You, they got an a turnover. Second play of the game. Um, and so you have to take into account, and this is where Dangerfield met their ad- adversity. And I think they'll, given this week against Newton, they'll they'll be a little bit more rough uh, than they because the the battle they had to fight with Decap, they ain't looking to do that again, you know. No. And this is what you get with teams that talk so much trash or talk or fans because you may have played so and so and so and so may have been a good team. Um but if you go over here in the strength of this district and the, and the opposing district teams district and they have to play the what second best team? Yeah. Second round and you have to and they blew whoever uh New they blew New Boston. Yeah. New Boston. Who's in Boston? Yeah, exactly. And so, Pewitt put up sixty points against them. Yeah, exactly against New Boston. And Pewitt is a bad team, you know. So, Overall, yeah, that's yeah, a bad yeah. team. And so, you just take uh, and and look at the strength of schedules. Dangerfield battled. I mean, they really had to battle last Friday against a very good decap team. And so, I'm not. I don't think looking into this week, they're gonna. They're not gonna come in and lay down for any. For anything, no. Uh, they 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 have the mental ability to be able to adjust and get whatever's mistakes or whatever happens out the way and keep on playing. It was a great team win and uh, um, it's an overall good game. And I wouldn't take anything away from Decap out of that game. You know, even given the the, the questionable calls and uh, mistakes on that on that side, but. I wouldn't take anything away from them. I, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't even take anything from uh, Dangerfield. No, I thought that, that that was a good playoff football game. Yeah. That, that's what that's what it should be like. Yeah, absolutely. Blowouts are fun. But. Now, now, the the big showdown in the state of Texas. All guns are out. All guns are out for the number one and number two team in 4A Division Two. They face off at none other than the legendary Lobo Stadium. Yes. It's going to be televised all over the state. Fox Sports Southwest, Bali Sports now will be there. It doesn't get any better. Uh, honestly, it gets no, no, no better than that. Yeah, And you know we're talking about none other than the Carthage Bulldogs and the Gilmore Buckeyes. I say Carthage wins by at least, you said two, I say three touchdowns. I'd be shocked if he was uh, below though either one of those. But I say that because when we seen Gilmer, Gilmer struggles offense. Yes, and that's what I'm saying is if Carthage, which we know they can, can stop Gilmer from even heck that quarterback. If they can stop Tennyson, then they got that offense. Um, and if they can stop the run, which we know they can do, also yeah. They got their they've got their number now. On the on the flip side, Gilmer's defense is very uh, good, better than these last two years. Yeah. This is the best defense Gilmer defense. And they've I've had seen a, in a good while. defense yeah. the last two years, but they they've even this, stepped yeah. it up more. I'm I talking, still say I still say that Tommy Edwards should get coach of the last five years because since he's taken well or last uh, however long 
uh, three or four, the last yeah. three years. Last three years, I think that he should get coach of the year. And here's why. Because he has taken that defense that for years has been porous. I mean, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown. We're just going to outscore you. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? Forget it. We're going to stop you. You know, you come get it. We're going to stop you. Now, yeah. state championship ball game's a little bit different. But, hey, <laughs> you, you, you have taken what was once like a pariah of a defense and mm-hmm. made them into a force to be reckoned with on that side of the right. football. And, and that's why I look for it more than anything. More than it to be an offensive game, I look for it to be for it to, to see that that was a, a defensive game. Uh, because, I mean, Gilmer is just except, exceptionally talented on that defensive side. And, you know, we said for years that, you know, it's it's hard to run against them, but it's even harder to pass against them mm-hmm. because um, they just have speed and athleticism out there in the, in the secondary. But this time I'm saying it's even harder to run against them than it is to pass against them. Yeah. Because that front is just ferocious. It is. But, you know, I, I, I'm eager to see what Coach Durant's got up the old sleeve. Yeah. We know that he's going to come out in whatever formation he so chooses, and he's going fi- to he's gonna find those holes. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm ready to see the chess match. I think I, it'll be I wanna good. S- I wonder if Gimbal would run, because it's been said that they now this season have ran 70% of the time to pass to their passing 30%. Yeah. So I just kind of want to see what they're going to do there. How they're, they're going to come out. Uh, let's see. Um uh, Looking at some other games, you've got Pleasant Grove. They advance. They're going to face uh, Aubrey, uh, and Aubrey beats center. Um, Aubrey, another state-ranked 4A Division two team, so mm-hmm. I think that, that's got uh, some juice to it. Uh, Pottsboro, meanwhile, down there in 3A Division one is the only team remaining out of that district as Winsboro fell, uh, Mineola fell, everybody. Mount Vernon gone. Everybody fell. Winsboro fell flat on their face too. Malakoff just took it to them. Yeah, I, I told you. Listen, I told you that's what da- my friend Danny said. He said that if anybody could pass against Winsboro, they're going to beat them, and that's most likely what. Oh, I, that's, I'm yeah. watching. That's exactly what Malakoff did. Yeah, and so Shucky, man, I don't know what to say. I don't. I mean, Winsboro, you had a great season. Great I wasn't. Season. Ex- I wasn't expecting them to get bounced in the second round, though, but. I thought I thought they were easily a third, third or, round or, yeah. or a fourth round playoff. Yeah. Um, Mount Vernon, I kind I, I, I kind of seen it coming because they were kind of up and down. Yeah, and then, you know they lost the quarterback, they lost the safety. Uh, you know, I saw that, saw Mineola, but but Pottsboro being the one still standing kind of shocks me. I did not. Well, I did not. Have okay, so that. did Mount Vernon beat Pottsboro? Mount Vernon beat Pottsboro. Pottsboro beat Winsboro. It was, but those were some darn good football teams. Yeah. But I thought, hey, out of those teams, I thought that Winsboro had the the offense to keep it going. But they didn't, you know, and that that's that's the thing. Wow, man. Uh, let's see. Lobos advance. They're going to continue plodding on. I I still say that that's your state champion right there in five A, uh, Division One. And then here's an interesting rematch, and that's Kilgore and Lindale. I think that that matchup has some a chance to be a little little juicy. Kilgore won the first match. Let's see what round two looks like. I say they win again. Pro- Kilgore is a very good football. Yeah, team. I say they win again. Uh, they are a very good football team. Maybe this is the year that they can win the region. Yeah, I say Kilgore. I, 
they're just producing athletes like it's nobody's business. I mean, one after the other. And uh, there's a uh, freshman on that team. Kid is sizable. I think he's number 40. I don't know if he plays running back or defense. He for sure plays defense. But the kid, I'm saying he's probably a three or four, three to four star athlete, even as a, as a freshman. Mm-hmm. I look for in four in in the next couple of years to be hearing his name a lot in Kilgore. Yeah, I, I say Kilgore wins that game. It may be close, I don't know, but given their athleticism, I say Kilgore wins that game. Well, that's been a fun matchup the last two, three, four years. Yeah, and, and so I think it'll be a another good good playoff football. Hey, a lot of good Texas high school playoff football being played this week. Yeah, man. And in this cold weather, it's cold. Weather. Man, we was well, but it's what I told you before the show. Uh, Jeff Humphrey told me years ago. He said every team has to play in the heat. You earn the right to play in the cold. Yep. And, okay. And here's the thing. Another thing. It's kind of, kind of on the on the on the Texas high school football. Well, it is on the Texas high school football side. And so remember I, earlier uh, last week, or yeah, I, I brought to you. I said that uh, not earlier last. Week, I think it was Thursday. I said that there were people from uh, Longview that were complaining about. No, the players not having an indoor facility to be able yes. to practice, and how ridiculous that is. Because I understand it when it's in the heat, and you want to keep them from you know having any kind of heat related injuries yes. or anything. I, I get that, but when it's cold, and you're looking for your team to be win, this is the playoff season. Until you make it to either the star or play at the star. In Frisco or AT and T Stadium for the state game, you're going to be playing outside in the cold. Yeah, and so I don't understand why there are people who are so upset that their team don't have an indoor facility because it's cold. They need someone. Listen, man, you it, it, you have people these other teams in the past that practice out in the freezing cold, played in the freezing cold, won state championships, mm-hmm. didn't complain about it. They did what had to be done. And so, uh, for Longview, for them to be state contenders and you have people complaining about them practicing in the cold, my guess is that they're the least bit concerned about it. Mm. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, but it the deal is is that you have, you, you can't, you don't want to make, don't make these kids soft, man. Don't pamper them. Because it, it makes no sense. For you to practice indoors all week, then go outside and have to play in the cold. <laughs> yeah, your body's not conditioned to it, and so that's what it's about. That's what that's why you practice outside is for your body to be conditioned to the temperature that you will most likely play in on game day. It's not about. And I know if you ask Coach uh, over there, you know, King. you, Coach King, he he's gonna tell you, "Hey, I want to make my boys tough." Yeah. You know, they still push the old sleds. They you know, pull old sleds. You know, put push the old uh, stuff around. Yeah, he he just wants a tough football team because he's gonna go out there. He's gonna mash on you. He's gonna play good defense. Yeah, and he's gonna win. He's gonna dominate you. Yeah. He's gonna make you quit. Wait, wait till wait till you get to AT and T Stadium, the state game. Then you might can say you can be in some comfort. But other yeah. than that, man, listen, you have to play through the frigid code. Like everybody else. And don't you earn there are there are tons of seniors right now 
bouncing a basketball tonight. Yes. Who would love to be in that position. Cold, rain, sleet, snow, whatever. They would love to be in that yes. position. So that that's all I had to say on that situation. I just thought that was kind of interesting, but crazy at the same time. I just don't, I didn't understand that. Been a great show. It has. Covered a lot of territory. Very. A lot I, more on, on the NBA side than I thought we would. But I'm glad we kind of worked our way backwards. Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah. Y'all let us know. Do you like that for, format? Let us know. Yeah. Reach out. Uh, reach out on Facebook, TikTok, something. Let us know how, what you think. And uh, we're looking forward to another great weekend of sports. Yeah. Uh, more coverage on different things. Be looking for content on TikTok. Um, all of it. Yeah. We're going to be putting it out there. We may even, and this is an idea, uh, get some Gilmer and Carthage uh, uh, updates as well out on TikTok because that's a big game. That's the yeah. number one, number I, two I, team I going at it. I see that uh, possibility for it. So I, I want to get that out there because we have some people from Carthage that are following us, some people from Gilmer uh, as well. So even Kilgore, some people from Kilgore. So we want to get that kind of coverage out there for those people to, you know, like, hey, we're, we, we follow y'all's teams. We know what's going on. You know? And we're paying attention. Yeah, we're not able to be at every game. You know, can't be everywhere at once. We're yeah, not that, we're <laughs> yeah, not that good. But uh, yeah, man, we're paying, we're paying attention. You know, it's it's what we do. It's what we love to do. Uh, but yeah, just be looking out, man, as we uh for this weekend um throughout the week, uh if we put up more content throughout the week, um but especially on uh Friday and Saturday, be looking, just be on the lookout for more content and follow us, like and comment. You guys have been doing great with the comments uh, on TikTok, and I I, I I see them, I read them. Uh, I don't respond to them all, but I may give you a like. But we are grateful, and we are thank you for the for your support um, from all the schools and the students that follow us, and even the parents that are starting to follow us, uh, both on Facebook and on TikTok. Y'all are great, man. Y'all are awesome. It's a blessing. We are very grateful uh, for it. But uh, man, yeah, it's been a great show, and. Um, just be on be on the lookout, man, for uh, good old sports and RNA, RNA media and, and investments. Hey, and and always remember, it's always a great day to be a sports fan. Have Indeed a great day. It is. Hold on, people. Peace. <laughs>